This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. Hey, welcome in another edition of the opening kickoff. Here we are for the next three hours right here on the sports station WNSP. Hope you guys are having a good morning. We're at it again, Lee. What do you know? Well, not only are we at it again, this is it for us this week. We're out of here. Well, a little misleading. Yes, we won't be here in studio, but for a second you you had me thinking we we only had a three-day week, that we were off the rest of the week. Well, in a sense, it's a three-day week in studio, but we do have two shows coming up on Thursday, tomorrow, and Friday. We'll be at St. Paul's tomorrow, and we'll be at Sarah Land on Friday. So we're really looking forward to those two trips, and hope everybody will be listening. Now... Last night, uh, Mark, and I know this is going to probably bore you to death, but I felt like I was back home in the Garden State as far as it was like a buffet of sports. I couldn't get over it. I had the Knicks going on. I had my Rangers playing in the Stanley Cup. The Yankees were playing against the Angels. And then later on last night, again on my cable, I got the Mets and Dodgers. And, of course, my favorite baseball team, the Braves, are playing. Plus, I was scrambling around for the Hawks game also. So it was like a buffet of sports. I mean, I had my choice, and good luck to that. Uh, And summing up, and we'll give you the scores, uh, all three home teams won in the NBA, the four visiting teams, and Stanley Cup won. One in particular, the Seattle Kraken. I know we don't talk much about hockey, but they made their first appearance ever. They're only in their second year of existence, and they beat the defending champ, Colorado. I got a hockey story for you that I know you saw. And I was going to get to another one. Let's see what you got first. I'll give you first go. Morgan Barron. Yes. Did you I was going to get Nick? to that. I was going to go you, with that. This Hockey players are built different. Oh, yes. They are built different. There is no way you can compare any. I know we talk about NBA players being the best athletes in the world, and I'm on board with that argument. But, dude, these guys are just built differently. Morgan Barron for Winnipeg, there was just kind of a scrum right there in front of the net. He they, they were, he was falling, and somebody's skate was blade up, for lack of a better term. Dude's face hit the blade of a skate. He needed 75 stitches. Think about this. 75 stitches in your head or your face. He came back in the game. Yeah, Mark, the uh, one of his teammates said it looked like he'd been eaten by a shark. Yeah. He, but this... I mean, like, take me... And my messed up face to the hospital, please. He, um, yeah, and it was his hockey debut in a postseason. But this, that's a throwback to the days when they didn't wear uh, helmets or masks. Goaltenders were the ones that really used to have a lot of stitches. And, you know, back in the day when I, way back when I followed hockey, they didn't have backup goalies. It would be the trainer that would come in if your goalie got uh, hit in the face or out of the game. But this guy, yeah, hockey I'm glad you brought that up. They're tough. There is no way. Like yesterday, I'm listening to Dan Patrick's show, and they were kibitzing about Green and Sabonis and how soft uh, Sabonis is. You can't 
ever apply that to a hockey player. They are so tough. They're just built differently. As you said, you pointed out, well, of course, I used to say a lot of them just came from the Canadian Icelands, but now now a lot of them come from Europe and everything. But think about that. One stitch would probably put me out of action. So he, he fell like he was on his knees, and it's like he's falling forward, like and he was going to catch himself, right, with his hands. And before he could... The skate was in his face. Yeah, like, what happened he, was the I, goalie. There could have been eyeballs on the ground for all I know mm. at that point. I mean, it was, it was how bad, it could have been so much worse. Well, I think if I read it correctly, and I didn't see this game, the goalie was making a sprawling save. You've seen this happen. And when they make a sprawling save, their feet come up. And unfortunately for Bratton, he was falling in the vicinity of where that skate came up and cut him and just think about that it's usually don't see this happen very often in hockey these days where somebody's face gets so messed up because they're wearing helmets and everything but it does happen so i'm curious what um because we don't talk a lot of hockey what do you think hurts more do you think it's getting checked into the boards a play at the plate taking a charge or I'm trying to think of like maybe a quarterback like, getting blitzed, or or, or like a uh, or, or a punt over returner the or punt returner getting blown up because to some degree, you know, some of those sports you got some padding there. Yeah, you're, but you're there's this level of getting chest, maybe there's this level of getting blindsided too, right? But you're also talking about the blood. I mean, that that's what really. Got everybody all like, you know, the, with the blood that was coming out of his face on the uh, ice and everything. <laughs> He's bleeding. So, from when you the talk face. about what hurts or what's worse, are you talking about a bleeding situation or not? No, I'm just like talking that, about pain. pain. See, I didn't see it. Was it like that scene from Castaway when Tom Hanks gives himself a root canal with the ice skate? Uh, it could have been. It could have been. Um, but I would say it was worse only because Tom Hanks knew what he was doing with the skate. This dude literally sure. fell on the skate. Yeah, I want. I'm glad you brought that up because I did have that in the notes to get to. And the movie Castaway? No, not Castaway. I missed that one. <laughs> Wilson! I missed that one. I'm talking about Bratton's injury. We we're talking oh, about sports oh. this morning, uh, Nick. By the way, um, later on, I didn't know if. You're, you're ever talked to an assistant coach on the bench, but Dale Osborne's going to join us. I didn't know if that would prompt you to want to ask a question or two uh, on the Orlando Magic bench, longtime assistant in the NBA. He's going to join us on the uh, postseason. Um, did you see where the NBA and the union? Well, uh, wait a minute. I'm going to hold off on that. Let's get to Draymond Green first because I think that's the bigger story because of the postseason. That he's out for the next game. But it was a very unique unusual way of wording it that he's been suspended for game three in golden state or yeah. their home arena but one of the reasons is is because of his past it yes. wasn't just because of stomping on sabonis but then they look back to all the technicals the unsportsmanlike incidences so he's actually being punished in in a sense for his past the, the statement was the suspension was based in part on Green's history of unsportsmanlike acts. So I don't necessarily have there, – there, it's two different things. Are we penalizing and jumping on Draymond because he's Draymond? That's kind of what the general consensus is. Or has he received so many fouls or technical fouls or flagrants 
that after so many, it's kind of like the technical foul rule in the NBA. If that's the case, I don't have a problem with I don't have a problem with suspending him. I, yesterday, I kind of defended him. I wasn't necessarily saying he shouldn't have been tossed. I said I don't have a problem with him defending himself in the way in which he did it because of what Sabonis did. Today, I don't have a problem with them suspending him. What I don't like is the whole, man, they shouldn't suspend him. He's an all-star. I pay money to watch him play. I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not down with that on argument. On the Dan Patrick show yesterday, they were talking a lot about this, at least when I was listening, and they, they put him in the um, category, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Is he? Uh, I don't they, think They so. got, they yeah. got him uh, go, the Hall of... You think first ballot? Yeah. Why? Uh, how many rings he got? Five. Defensive player of the year. One of the main reasons that Golden State has been competitive throughout this whole thing. You know, this whole past decade. Draymond's a shoe-in. People don't like him because of his personality. I'm I'm not going to say he isn't, but I doubt he's going first time. I, I just don't think he'll go first timer. But that's not to say he won't make it. Uh the stats on him, 27 technicals in 147 playoff games, six flagrants. That's what to be a record, too. I'm sure it is. You know, there was another nebulous stat that came out yesterday, which is fascinating to me. Phoenix and the universe is back to normal with the winning teams. Uh, I mean, the home teams winning yesterday and Phoenix is back to a 1-1 tie. Chris Paul, uh, his nemesis is an official named Scott Foster. In the last 13 games prior to yesterday, any game that Foster refereed or officiated in which Paul was playing, Paul's team lost. But yesterday, Phoenix broke that streak. And and these two have had a, a running feud going on. So he winds up officiating, and the Phoenix Suns overcome all that, the negativity of that streak. But it's just such a crazy stat. I've never heard of a stat like that before. What if officials, uh, if the the association of basketball officials, or whatever they're called, I wonder if they're aware of those stats and do they sit? I think of, they are. Do you think they sit, you know, official Lee Shervanian down and be like, dude, what is there a beef with you and Chris Paul? Why is he? Why are his teams Owen? Well, whatever the stat was you just mentioned. Mark, having traveled with certain coaches, they do check the officiating list to see who's doing their game and i've heard them on the bus going to the away game say oh we better watch out for this so i think if they're if they're into it and they know i can't believe that the nba officials and players aren't aware of who's officiating the game coaches leave no stone untouched coaches are aware of who's going to be officiating and you know what that's maybe a question that we can ask dale when uh, he comes on at seven o'clock and Are you they know, Chris Paul? He's one of the dirtiest players in the NBA. He's known for his flops and his foul baiting. So, I mean, it makes sense. But also, you know, last year around this time, they released a hype video for Scott Foster. Do you remember that, Mark? I remember talking about this connection between him and Paul. Yeah, I don't. They, they released like a music video of him like walking through the tunnel and getting ready for the game <laughs> and uh, <laughs> dancing and stuff. So they're very aware of the feud. But I think I'm leaning Scott Foster. First ballot Hall of Famer, uh, Nick? Uh, I don't know. Do they put refs in there? Could. I think uh, maybe in the, let's say, the 
what Dray- they call Draymond the will get in before Scott Foster. They have maybe an auxiliary Hall of Fame. They put officials in. They put GMs. They put coaches in. Maybe they do have somebody in there that's an do official. Do you think that Draymond Green has had a better career than Chris Bosh? Uh, not statistically, but from winning rings, yes. And obviously, Bosh's career was Bosh's career was cut short by his uh, injuries or illness. Right. Do you think Chris Bosh is a Hall of Famer? You know, uh, I'm not sure about that because he rode the coattails of that uh, great team with Wade and James. Uh, could he have done it without them? You're clearly baiting us. So, yeah. uh, so I I'm would just ca- saying the, the 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 stats back up that Draymond will be because of the rings or because of the stats or the or the uh, his awards, his accolades, maybe not stats. So awards, he probably averages like six, six, and six for his career, and that's Hall of Fame worthy. Well, if if you're known for playing defense. And you are the floor general of the best offenses in NBA history. Yeah, but here's another thing, too. Okay, what he did, uh, some would classify what he did. And if you want to take his side, that's fine. You know, he, he was complaining. He had no place to place his feet, so he placed it on the guy's stomach. Fine. Okay. About, uh, I, can, I, I, I see where he's coming from. But how about this? You knew... In his mind, they need him out there. If you're, you're, if he's a Hall of Famer, or even if he's close to a Hall of Famer, you need him out there to win, okay? And how selfish was it of him to put himself in a position like that? And he's done that before, too. I know he gets emotional. I know, you know, his history. But in a game like this, where everything counts, it's not just a regular season game, I think somehow, somewhere, you've got to be a little better... Uh, situated mentally, not to put yourself in a position to be removed from the game. And, you know, and I'm not saying that's going to dictate whether he gets in the Hall of Fame or not. I'm just thinking from a team value, you know, as valuable as he is on defense. And I know, you know, I I agree with Nick in this that he does a lot of things that don't show up in the stat line or something like that. He's not going to score. He's kind of like Dennis Rodman in a sense, not not grabbing as many rebounds, but he's he's not a scorer. But you got to keep yourself on the floor, and you can't put yourself in a position to get ejected. Uh, no, I agree. Uh, Sabonis got one on him. He baited him, and and he fell for it and bit on the hook. So Draymond, first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, no, no question. If you think he's not, then you don't know ball. Hmm. He is the best defender in this current generation of the NBA. Does everyone remember back in 2016? where everyone wanted a Draymond Green on their team. Everyone's looking for a Draymond Green on their team. No one even – most teams don't even have, like, a seven-foot big man anymore. Do you remember they're looking 2016 for that Draymond Green I type. Were we even together then? We were. Okay. Uh, I, can almost, I can almost guarantee we were. Hey, I'm speaking just thinking, of big should... guys, I know this is just a little off the curve here. Zach Edney's going to opt for the NBA. Is he going to go in the first round, a 7-4 guy these days? Do, do they want a guy that big? I mean, nobody plays, very few play b- back to the basket. He's left it open to go back to Purdue. Speaking of big guys and everything. Yeah, and he, you, can't, you, you can't coach height. You can't. But I'm just curious, uh, is he projected as even a first rounder? I don't think so. Not like national player, National player of the year. Hmm. Just not the type of game that the NBA needs anymore. 
Unfortunately but the, but the, the type of game they want. No, I think it's the other way around. All right. Um, okay. So we, we'll debate that throughout the course of our show today, I'm sure. It's not a debate, though. Yeah. I'm right. You're wrong. <laughs> oh, I can't wait till we are on the road tomorrow. We don't have to listen to this. Uh, what do we got going on today? Uh, Fairhope baseball coach Kyle Hunter is going to join us. They're on a tear. We'll explain all of that coming up at 630. Uh, you mentioned Dale Osborne, the Orlando assistant coach at 7. Jim Nagy set to join us at 7.30. Chris Stewart at 8 o'clock. And Richie Riley at 8.30. We're off and running. Here comes your scoreboard, your traffic, and your weather on this Wednesday edition right here on the Sports Station WNSP. This is Cornelius Bennett, three-time All-American College Football Hall of Fame, and you're listening to WNSP. And he's, he's that. He's a real leader. Mobley going yeah. right at Mitchell there Robinson. You there you go. Gets it back and throws oh, it down. baby. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> All right, 624, welcome back in. The opening kickoff continues right here on the uh, sports station WNSP. You guys have talked or heard me talk about Aiden Marks of Medicare Insurance Advisors, but what exactly is Medicare Insurance Advisors? Because I tell you, Aiden Marks doesn't sell Medicare. He kind of helps you with the decisions needed to make sure you have the proper coverage of Medicare. Well, look, it was founded back in 2012. It, it's a focus on being a community resource for the senior market, right? They want to be different from any other agencies by providing a custom experience for clients in the community. Their process is centered around providing education and long-term support, not just a one-time enrollment meeting, which means they're going to be around for a long time. And Aiden Marks can do that for you in the Mobile, Baldwin County areas. He's located right there in Daphne on Highway 98 across, across from Terry Thompson Chevrolet. You can go see him or he can come see you. Never a fee for his services. So if you're confused about your coverage, if you're tired of nonstop solicitation calls, maybe you just need a local agent. Aiden Marks can help you with that. So if you're 65, if you're within a year of retirement, and maybe you just have questions about what type of coverage you need, he's your guy. Give Aiden Marks of Medicare Insurance Advisors a call. 463-0031. That's 463-0031. Aiden Marks, Medicare Insurance Advisors. You know, Mark, we met you, you kind of let off with the uh, hockey player and the 75 stitches and how tough. Uh, another story that really grabbed me yesterday, and I'm anxious to see how this plays out, and we'll talk to Jim Nagy about this a little later on. Damar Hamlin, three and a half months after cardiac arrest, and everybody was worried, concerned, would he make it through after he was removed from that football field, held a press conference yesterday to announce he's been given clearance to play again in the National Football League. Yeah, my biggest concern, if I'm DeMar Hamlin, is in my skittish. You know how we talk about guys that come off the ACL surgery and they're just, they're, it's it's kind of in between their heads. Like, do I, do I, do I kind of make this cut? Do I, you know, I need to be confident in my leg. Like me, I'd, it'd be like getting behind the, the wheel of a car after a, a, a bad accident, right? I, I would feel like if I'm him, and I think that's why he was talking about it going day by day, because I think there's going to be a little reservation there about, man, do I go 100% here? Maybe not. I know if it were me, I, I'd, I'd certainly hesitate. So it, it's certainly going to be fascinating to watch how he recovers from the psychological aspect of all that. But it's great news, and uh, I know people have, have 
uh, are really excited to, to, to have him back in the fold. So it, it, it'll be fun to watch. Look, I'm from afar. I'm not a doctor. Don't pretend. But when I when this happened, I was just hoping he'd leave a, a, a productive life, that he'd recover. Never really gave much thought to him coming back to the football field or why would he want to. But there's that competitive edge in athletes, and especially at a young age, and he says he's been cleared to play. Another story, too, and, and, and we'll get to this later on, too, about Bryce Young, where the Carolina GM, uh, Scott Fitter, I think his name is, says, look, I haven't said anything to Bryce Young. Um, I wonder, though, Mark, see, that this is the stuff that goes on behind the scenes, and there's so much that you hear, and you don't know what to trust or not. You know, I I haven't, he says, I haven't told Bryce Young that he's going to be the number one pick. So his decision not to attend any pre, any more pre-draft meetings, that's up to him. But I wonder, though, and this is what I, because Jim's been involved with this game for like 20 years as a scout. I've often wondered, does a team tip off the player? either through his attorney or his agent or whatever. And, and, and maybe, you know, I'm not saying Scott had direct contact with uh, Bryce. I don't know that. But I'm just wondering if he says, hey, you're my number one guy. Let's just hush-hush on it. Well, somebody's not telling the truth. And they never do. Uh, and I'm not sure why you even make that comment. Unless you're out there through the media trying to tell other people that we're, we could still potentially deal with the number one pick. I haven't told Bryce anything. If that's some sort of NFL code for the phone, the phone line is open. Give us a call. But I don't get that impression at all. And I'm not, I think it's a little too little too late. I'm pretty sure if he didn't say anything to Bryce, one of his people said something to Bryce or one of his people said something to one of Bryce's people. It's a, it's a silly little cat and mouse game we play every year around this time. We'll get more uh, about it. We'll get uh, Jim Nagy's take on it at 730. Up next, Kyle Hunter, Fairhope baseball coach. They're on a tear. We'll tell you all about it next right here on the Sports Station WNSP. At 6.33, welcome back in. The opening kickoff, Mark and Lee from the studios of WNSP. All right, that audio clip in reference to Clayton Kershaw struck out the side in the seventh inning to complete a seven-inning shutout performance. The bullpen took over. He picked up his 200th career win. But what was really interesting in the first inning, Mark, uh, the outfielder, Haywood, misplayed a fly ball into a three-base error. So the Mets had a runner at third and nobody out in the uh, top of the first, and he struck out the side. Kershaw, uh, and this will come up in a uh, question later on, uh, becomes the third Dodger pitcher ever to record 200 wins. Speaking about a lot of wins, let's get to Fairhope. Kyle Hunter is the head baseball coach. Kyle, good morning. How are you today? Welcome to the show, Kyle. Good morning. I think he's... Good morning. Happy to be here, guys. How are we doing today? Wonderful. Let me ask you, what's Fairhope's uh, baseball program up to? You had this huge winning streak. Bring me up to date on that. Well, I tell you... Uh, we uh, we started out a little slow. Kids were four and six, and you know, just kind of flipped the switch. And uh, it was fun to sit back and watch them play. The guys won nineteen and uh, nineteen straight, and uh, we're twenty four nine now, heading into area play today. But you and I were talking about this. You played a, a rival, Spanish, for it the other night, and things didn't go your way in this game, which ended the long winning streak. But you didn't seem too concerned about it. You know, uh, 
going into today uh, or going back to Monday right there, you know, it's not all losses are bad losses if you take them the right way and not necessarily just a coaching moment. But I think there's some pressure internally with our guys to keep something going that in the end really doesn't matter. Uh, it was fun to be a part of it, but I think that uh, we grounded ourselves a little bit Monday and, and they got our focus back. And We probably had our best practice of the year yesterday moving forward. So hopefully it'll be a good thing for us in the long run. Coach, uh, I think Lee and I sometimes we have this debate a lot about good losses versus losses. I'm a proponent of good losses. I believe in them. I think if you can drop one that ultimately doesn't impact your standings in the region or area or district or whatever uh, conference division, I think it's great for refocusing. It Sometimes your players might get a little too overconfident. Maybe the head gets a little big. You need to kind of recenter and refocus. There are those likely, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, Lee, that feel like a, a loss is a loss. You never want to lose. You want to keep on that roll. You know, I, I agree with both of you on that, that it's, uh, I, I don't like to lose. I think losing for somebody else. Uh, but, you know, sometimes if, if it helps you in the long run, then they can be healthy, yes. Kyle, uh, all right, we're going to go break away from Monday night because today is where it counts. Tell us about today, Fairhope, Daphne, what's at stake? Uh, both of us have secured spots in the playoffs next week. Uh, whoever wins this series will host the first round against the guys from up around Auburn and Phoenix City. So lots at stake for us and Daphne. It's going to be uh, two good days of baseball for sure on the Eastern Shore. All right, where are the games being played? Today we will be at Daphne with a 6 o'clock start. Uh, tomorrow we'll be at Valanta Park in Fairhope with a 5.30 start. Doubleheader tomorrow at our place. Fairhope's had a very rich baseball tradition. You know, you, Stu Fuller was a coach for a long, long time. By the way, he's now at Sarah Land, and we'll be out there on uh, Friday. But you took over. The program continues. But you pointed out you got the season off to a little bit of a rocky start, and then all of a sudden the switch went on. What happened? What, what got this team on the right foot? Oh, we started playing at home. You know, you talk about the tradition in Fairhope that, that there's no place like home to Fairhope baseball until these players, whenever we get there during March and you look back at the record books, that they've always had success at home. So we had a rough road start early in the season, but once we got back to where we were comfortable, it didn't take long for these guys to stop pressing and just relax and play baseball. You got your uh, pitching uh, ready to go? I mean, you got because you had a game Monday night, but the guys you need against Daphne, that's where the key is there. Are they set to go? They are. You know, we've had a good balance with the staff this year. Uh, we have seven sophomores that have contributed considerable innings for us this year. Uh, our first two starters are 10th graders, and with us having 10 seniors and eight of them starting in the field every day, uh, you know, we don't have to move a lot of guys around when those young pitchers have really grown up for us. So we've got everybody healthy and we're ready to go. Uh, you know, just got to give them a chance to win is what our pitchers what we tell them every day. Kyle, right now in 7A around the state, who's the domino team? Who's the team to beat? You know, <laughs> right now, Lee, there's, there's about 10 or 12 teams in the state that, that are in there just jockeying for that position. I think that probably in 7A that – you know, any of us can beat each other any given day, depending on who's on the mound and, and what goes the other side of it. Uh, in the South, you know, Phoenix City, they won it last year. Uh, Keo has a really good bunch coming back. Uh, Enterprise are kind of sneaky over in the wiregrass right now, and you can't forget about Baker and those guys that are trying to figure out what they're doing on their side this week, too. In Mobile, uh, you know, and Pratt will just out of nowhere, they show up Enterprise this week. So 
the South's competitive. Those guys are going to bang it out up north, and whoever comes out of the South, we'll go up there and give them our best chance. Kyle, thanks so much for joining us. Good luck to Fairhope. It's a pleasure having you on with us. We'll talk soon. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Lee. You guys have a great day. You bet. Kyle Hunter's the coach for the Fairhope Pirates. The team of Dr. Christopher Mullinex with Mobile Oral and Facial Surgery, uh, along with Dr. Wallander and Dr. Babston, located at 715 Towntowner Boulevard. They specialize in all kinds of oral surgery, talking about facial trauma, knocked out teeth, wisdom teeth, dental implants, jaw surgery, and it goes on and on and on. You can reach them without a referral. If you want to make an appointment, same-day appointments are available at 471-3381. That's 471-3381. Over the years, I've been very impressed with the professionalism, not just of Dr. Christopher Mullinex, but of his staff, and how they just guide you through there from the waiting room to the uh, x-ray machine to that dental chair. And even the next day or two, no pain, very little discomfort. So I highly recommend Dr. Christopher Mullinex for whatever oral surgery you need. All right, guys. Speaking of oral surgery, I think there's a individual in the NHL who was very close to needing some serious oral surgery. Did you all see Morgan Barron, the Winnipeg uh, a hockey player for the NHL playoffs. I'm not a big hockey guy. You know that. We rarely talk about it. But this dude fell on a skate face first, skate up, and needed 75 stitches. And I think we can all agree that there's something different. You got to be a, a little crazy to play hockey. There's got to be something in you that just ain't right. Because dude came back into the game after getting 75 stitches. I didn't even know you could get 75 stitches on your face. That seems like way too many. You ever had to get stitches on your face before? Never on my face. Never. I got stitches in the knee once. It was like four or five when I was a kid. Actually hurt because I had to put the... <laughs> I don't know how you get 75. You got to deaden all that I and then come know. back. Dude's probably not... Feeling his face when he comes back. You know how you do that whole... Not only that, but yeah. to get it done so quickly to get him back into the game. Yeah, they're, uh, I'm assuming like team managers, like they need to be efficient. Like like guys in the like pits pit for NASCAR. Yeah, right? So do they like time these guys before they get that job? You know, we were talking about Major League Baseball and the ball boys having to be more efficient. Do these team managers, these team doctors have to be like super fast? Like how fast... How fast is fast to I get can, 75 stitches in a face? I can tell you this. Prior, I mean, after what I call the modern era, meaning when you wore masks and helmets, I can't ever remember this happening where you had that many stitches. Yeah, you got a few. You got a puck that gets in the face on a deflection or something like that. Or they usually come away with, um, for instance, I was watching the game yesterday when there was a high stick. And anytime you high stick and you draw blood, it's an automatic uh, penalty, although they didn't call it yesterday. But the guy goes off the ice and eventually comes back but I have never ever when I saw that this morning and this was a Tuesday night opening game for Winnipeg I just couldn't get over it because like I said back in the days when they didn't wear helmets and they didn't, the goalie didn't wear a face mask it was not uncommon for a guy to leave the ice and get stitches but never 75 all right I'm curious if doctors out there how long would it take you all to to, to do 75 stitches like anywhere much less the face but from from Word go. Yeah, what's that stitch per minute rate? Yeah, like what are we doing here? Are we doing like knowing that you're under the gun, like you have to get this done and quick. I'm sure they did it in under 10 minutes. Really? 
That yeah. seems like a lot, dude. I mean, you do the first one, then you're kind of in, in the flow with it, right? So you're doing more than seven stitches a minute? Yeah. So that's uh, that's a stitch oh, in 10 seconds. I know. I'm trying to do the math. This that's ten less than 10 seconds a stitch. I mean, you're just like... You're well, crocheting you know, right you there, the man. First one in, now you're flowing. It's like it's like lacing a shoe, right? Right? <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't do seventy five. Could you tie seventy five shoes? I could probably tie seventy five shoes in ten minutes. I would disagree with that. I'll try. We'll we'll test it at the break. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. See, no, like, you couldn't I, do it. There's no way you could do that. When I was a kid, I was always deathly afraid of sports where the equipment that you use could really injure you. That's why I never played baseball. You know, I'd be scared that I was going to get hit in the head with the ball. I've seen some videos of that. That freaks me out. Hockey, I'm not trying to take a puck to the face or a stick. I the reason I didn't play baseball was similar. I was playing. We had a wooden bat and a baseball. Me and my brother on the side of the house. I I pitched one to him and he 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 threw, he he uh, he connected and it went right back into my stomach. And I said, "I'm done." Yeah, done. And I never played. I never got into baseball. That and the waiting around for the ball to maybe some maybe get hit to you. Because you know you, you get injured in basketball or football. That's a human a human cause that you have someone to direct your anger at. If, like, a ball just comes off the bat and smacks you in the face and concusses you, you can't be mad at the ball. <laughs> I need someone to direct my anger towards. W uh, would you agree, Lee, that you like to have someone to direct all your anger towards? It helps. It, it, it helps, to, it helps to be mad yeah. at Draymond as opposed to being I think mad if, at— I think if you look at some of the great athletes, one that really sticks out is John McEnroe. Seems like he was always mad at somebody out there, and I think that elevated his game. I would agree with that. I think Michael Jordan, I think athletes with a chip on their shoulder, it inspires them and, 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 bring, and raises their game. Michael Jordan was like that. Like Bobby Boucher. I don't remember him playing in a professional game. Did he played he? in the Bourbon he was Bowl. was college. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> college I, I, was, I thought we were on the guys that when, were really around that played when is adam sandler going to cash in and make that water boy sequel where he ended up going to the nfl lee that you because you've had some movie experience you could be in the booth since brent's <laughs> retired you could be in the booth only if they invite me to the premiere you and dan fouts you gotta dan let it all what, what, what was it that he was saying you can't hold anything back we know i'm not we know i'm not doing any more <laughs> movies until I'm guaranteed that they'll invite me to the premiere, I'm, you, you I'm not going to be used anymore, like used and abused. Yeah, you need to you need to get a cut of those. Uh, I profit. need an agent. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get Jalen Hurts' agent. Yeah, Nicole oh, Lynn. Go. Yeah, I was thinking Jerry Maguire. I want somebody real. Oh, well, okay. Uh, so what hurts? What do you guys think hurts more? Getting checked into checked into the boards. During a hockey game? No. Taking a charge in basketball? No. Well, the thing about the check, though, is sometimes it comes from a blind side. Like, sometimes you get rocked and you but don't I, see it coming. You know, Mark, and, and I like can't— like coming across the middle I as a receiver. I can't speak from experience because I, when I played hockey, it was certainly not on the level of that. It, it was, was just more of a finesse sport. Yeah, recreational. Go up my friends and things like that. But I think those guys are so used to that. You know, they come up through the ranks, and that's all part of it. I'm not going to get too— I friends that, that I'm had not gonna fun— checking you for fun like yeah, that was I know. that was the fun he was part. the enforcer i haven't i don't have time because 
we have things to do. But I mean, there, I can tell you that there's this mentality in hockey, and I saw this even here in the South with the uh, Mystics downtown and the parents of the kids out there. Uh, and and I used to go there because my son was in the Mystics youth league or something oh, like I that. He played for the Mystics. I'm like, no. he was a hick with a stick. That's awesome. No, and it was like the the parents are like, hit him, get yeah. out there, don't don't let him get away with that. And there were concussions in the youth yeah. league. In fact, my uh, my son and his last practice went down and had to be taken to the hospital on a check. Were you mad at the guy or were you mad no, at the puck? No, I, I was <laughs> the puck. no, I wasn't mad at all. We you didn't just go hoped, stomp some dude no, in the chest? we were just hoping everything went well, and it did. But, but um, what I'm saying is there's a, a mentality. I think the, pl- the hockey players... I'm not talking about the youth league down here, but I'm talking about that's the way they come through the ranks and the the, the youth leagues and they they move. They're used to that, I think. I mean, yeah. And and again, if you ever watch a game when they're checked and you'd say, oh, "There's no way I could get up from that," they do. They're right back on their feet, skating and maybe looking for revenge. When when you were growing up playing hockey, Lee, were you the enforcer? Is that why you have uh, so just, many dental implants, getting all those fights, teeth knocking out? I was just hoping to stand up straight and not get fall down. <laughs> oh, so you were the happy Gilmore of hockey, yeah. right? He was a hockey Look, player, but he couldn't is, skate. Come on. I, I, you know, you actually did work. Did you work with Don Hawes? Uh, we did a couple shows together. Okay. He is actually, he'd be somebody you want to talk to. He did play uh, youth hockey. And I, I remember him telling me about his back injuries and things like that from being, you know, hit and so forth. I, I shouldn't even brought up that. I just Could skated. you skate backwards? I had trouble skating forward. No. Oh. no you know how those I, I guys tried. play I know, defense? I know. I tried. I'm, I'm, Look, I'm skating we played, back from the mic It was now, just so fun. Looking. We just went out on the ice whenever the ice froze. And, you know, I it was just fun. We Nobody was hitting any. You know, I, I Did anybody even, fall through the ice? Were, there, I there, never saw that. No. Hmm, that's unfortunate. Can, can, can you skate, Mark? No. On wheels or blades? I can do some. I can do some roller skating. It's. It, I don't fall, but it doesn't look graceful until I get a ten or twelve minutes in, and then by then my ankles are shot. But yeah, I don't fall, but I ain't. I ain't that guy weaving in and out like in Stranger right. Things. Skating backwards. No, that's not spins. me. That's not me. That's not me. Yeah. You. No, I'm horrible at it. We should do it then. We should do a WNSP skate party. See, that could be any, a next event. Anytime I went to the skating rink, I just did the foot race where everyone's just in their socks and running in a circle. Yeah. yeah. That's when it was my time to shine. <laughs> All right. When we come back, we'll see if we can get up with David Green. I always hated doing that in the socks, though, because you'd slip, which I know was like part of the fun for the parents to watch the kids wipe out. But, well, you know, now they got the walkers. I'm aware of the walkers. You can use. Yeah. Oh, is that what you use? No, that was before my time, but or after my time. Is it a walker or a roller? It, it's on rollers, but it's essentially a walker. That helps you roll. Yeah. So you're walking. Yeah. <laughs> Glad we figured that out. All right. Uh, Orlando assistant coach Dale Osborne to kick off hour number two. Stay with us. We've got plenty left. It's the opening kickoff. WNSP 105.5 in Mobile. 
654 on this Wednesday. Thanks for hanging with us as we wrap up hour number one here on the sports station WNSP. Let's check in with David Green at the Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm. David, good morning. How are you today? David, welcome to the show. Good morning. How's everybody? Wonderful. Well, as as everybody knows, there's a lot of attorneys. Thankfully, you're one of them who advertise, especially with us, and we like that. We really do. But let me ask you a question. How do you know if you really need an attorney? I've uh, actually been involved in, I don't know, three, four, five fender benders, but I've never had an attorney involved in any of my cases. What At what point do you go for an attorney? Well, I'll tell you what, one of the most important things to do is to make that decision and to make sure that you hire the attorney that's right for you. Um, we recommend that if, if you have damage to either vehicle, um, that you consider talking to a lawyer. People say, well, I'm not hurt. Well, the, the problem is you may be hurt down the road. And so we suggest that you, you seek medical treatment. Just go to an urgent care. There's some great urgent care docs around here. Just go get checked out, document that you've been involved in a crash, and then look to, to a local personal injury law firm. You know, there are a lot of firms that advertise that are not even from here. Talk to a local lawyer. Um, you know, Talk to your local lawyer, whoever you, whoever you may know, or someone at Green and Phillips or one of the other firms here in Mobile that regularly try cases in this area. Very, very important to talk to a lawyer that's locally if there's damage to either vehicle or if you feel pain. Of course, there are many times that you, you know, unfortunately, if you're in a crash that you immediately feel pain, um, you, you need to go ahead and talk to someone because you can rest assured that the insurance company for the other driver has already started preparing to defend themselves. I would also, and this is kind of uh, an unsolicited, uh, you know, take on your law firm. You. I've called on you, and you've made recommendations. If, if your firm doesn't handle this particular case or something like that, I would hope others would do the same. In other words, just don't take the case because you want to you know, get, get the money or something like that, but that you really specialize in that. And I appreciate that you've been able to do that. You'd say, well, look, this is who you need to get in touch with. Well, that's exactly right. You know, if you want to call us, we're going to refer you to whoever, um, if we don't think it's something that, that our lawyers uh, are, are, you know, wanting to do, or if it's not really in our wheelhouse, um, then we can certainly get you to the right people. But I would just simply say call us uh, or simply call someone who I think of some other names out there that are very, very fine lawyers in this area. Uh, we can get you to the right person uh, and get you some advice. And the big thing we, with us is we don't charge anything unless we collect money for you. So it's not going to cost you anything to make that phone call. Uh, but if you don't make that phone call, it could cost you a lot down the road. David, how can they reach you? What What's the uh, number to re- get in touch with you? Yeah, it's very simple. It's 251-300-2000 uh, here in Mobile. Uh, Birmingham office and mobile offices, the, the phones all go through Mobile. So if you're in the Birmingham area, you can call that number. Uh, you, can, you can go by the Forbes building in, in downtown Birmingham. We have a whole staff up there. And, of course, 51 North Florida Street here in Mobile. Many thanks. We got you through this. You sounded okay. Absolutely. Take care. Good, Take good care you. of yourself. Appreciate it. Bye-bye now. Will do. Bye. All right. Hour number two, Orlando assistant coach Dale Osborne, uh, Jim Nagy on the draft. Uh, we'll get some Chick-fil-A to you as well. And hour number three, Chris Stewart.
and uh, Richie Riley scheduled to join us. We'll, in that hour, we'll give away some uh, Jag tickets. By the way, I don't know if y'all saw this. I know the music's getting ready to start, but Netflix, an error, not an E-R-R-O-R, but those red envelopes you used to get in the mail with the new releases, after 25 years, Netflix is calling it quits in the DVD rental business. You guys remember the days where you used to order them and they used to come and you used to put in priority? After September 29th, they will not be shipping DVDs. My question to you guys, though, is do any of you out there actually get, still get DVDs from Netflix? Lee? No. Oh. I, I'm lost on that one. I, I don't. Look, I have so many TV stations, I don't need to. Look at you. You're the man. My hockey playing, movie watching co host here on WNSP. You ready to skate? Yeah, let's do it. Now you guys could probably beat me in roller skating. Ice but. skating, I think I could hold my own. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. Indeed, here we are, Mark and Lee and Triple G in the studios of WNSP uh, for the final time uh, this week because the Dr. Christopher Mullenix Spring Championship Drive takes us to St. Paul's and Sarah Land back-to-back. And I should mention next week, Lee, our NFL draft party will be the day of the draft. The final drive will be broadcasting from walk-ons right there in the airport. You got to come out and check it out. We'll get more details coming up here in just a little bit. But a couple of uh, great prizes for you, and uh, it'll be a great party as always. Yeah, the uh, major gift will be if you get the uh, get it right on the draft coming out there, the Traeger Grill from Ellie's TV and Mattress. NBA yesterday, the home teams won. And I'm going to get – we're going to go right to the coach right now. Dale Osborne, former Jag basketball star, has been a longtime NBA coach, and I'm so thrilled that he's with me this morning and hopefully a, a few more times to talk about the playoffs, to get more of the coaching insight. Dale, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Good morning, Lee. Thank you very much for having me, oh, sir. Thank, thank you. you. Never forget a great person like you, and what a pleasure it was to be announcing when you played for the Jags, and now you've been on a couple of benches in the NBA. I'd like to start out like this. I'm going to give you a couple of the playoff series. I just want to get like maybe a line or two from you or uh, from a coaching standpoint about the series and where they could hit, okay? Okay. Let's start with the Knicks in Cleveland, which is tied at 1-1 now. Right. I think I think Cleveland um, will win the series. Um, their defense has shown last night they're like the they're, they are the best defensive team in the NBA, and they have a guy that can really go get it in Donovan Mitchell. It's going to be a tough series, but I think eventually Cleveland's going to win the series. Does Atlanta have a chance to get back in its series, trailing Boston two games to none? No chance whatsoever. Oops. None. Okay. Uh, Boston's really good. I see Boston and uh, Milwaukee in the finals in the East. Um, but uh, Boston's deep. They got two guys that can go get it. Um, they have a lot of experience. 
and you got to give a lot of credit to their first-year coach. Um, he's done a great job. Lakers and Memphis. Lakers won the first game. Uh, how do you see this series playing out, and what's the key to this series? Um, surprisingly, I think the Lakers surprised me, honestly, when they went in and, and won that first game. Obviously, a lot depends on what's going to happen with Ja with his wrist. If Ja is not going to be involved in the series, I think the Lakers have a good chance of pulling it out. You have to give the uh, G and Rob Link a lot of credit. The trade he made has really enhanced that team. Um, it's given them a lot more talent. It's given their bench um, um, that he has uh, uh, more talent coming off the bench. So I think eventually the Lakers are going to pull it out. And one of the big reasons I feel of that is because John Moran could be hurt. Speaking well, of hurt. hurt, I don't know when he's going to come back. Well, speaking of hurt, uh, very questionable for tonight, Bucks Giannis. Now they're already down one game to none. If he's not available to play, does this series take a detour in favor of Miami? Um, that's a great question, Lee. Um, I don't think he'll be out when I when I was watching the game and I watched the injury. Obviously, he fell uh, with no support and landed on his tailbone. Um, if he doesn't play tonight, I still think Milwaukee's going to come back and win it. Um, when he does get back, I give the advantage to Milwaukee because obviously he's a top three player in the league, and you got to have him to win the games. But Milwaukee, you know, we faced Milwaukee um, ourselves in the regular season after both games. Our coaching staff, we looked at each other and said, that's the deepest team in the NBA. Wow. Um, so I think uh, I think Milwaukee's going to eventually pull out the series. Clippers and Suns. This was a series that many people said could go the distance to seven games. It's tied at 1-1 now. Thoughts on that series? I, I really believe that even though Durant's a great player and they have them, um, again, the Clippers are really, really deep. One thing you'll find out in the NBA League, in order to win games consistently, um, you have to have guys who are, you have to have guys on your bench that are potential starters. Because you have to have a lot of depth to win in the NBA. When you look at the Clippers, they have a lot of guys that come off their bench that are potential starters. Um, Phoenix is not as deep as LA, um, but they have Devin Booker, they got Chris Paul, who's still a great player, in my opinion. And obviously they got KD. But uh, I think this game, I think this series will go seven games, in my opinion. And I'll, I'll give the advantage to the home court. All right. Something came out of this game yesterday, which we wanted to get into and, and ask your opinion. This was the first game in 14 that a Chris Paul team had won with Scott Foster officiating. I don't know if you're familiar with that ridiculous <laughs> stat. Um, are coaches very well aware of things like that going into a game, knowing who the officials are and, and how to navigate the game? You know, Lee, um, as coaches, when we go in the game, we, I think the night before we'll, we'll get a, uh, we'll, we'll get a report saying who's going to, who's going to officiate the game. And the game of basketball is a very emotional game for, for coaches and officials, Lee. So a lot of times when we see which official is going to be in the game, we either feel like, okay, this is going to be an, a good officiated game or this, this, this is going to be a game where there could be some struggles with the officials. The only reason why I say that is because of experience, who's working with whom, and um, um, who's the lead official. Um, I totally get 
I got a tech this year for standing up saying travel. And, Lee, I can tell you, I never get texts. I never talk to the officials, never, because I know it's emotional. As coaches, we don't have all the answers, and officials, they don't have all the answers also. But uh, as a staff with the Magic, we don't, we don't try to get too caught up with the officials, but I'm quite sure if there are some coaches and players who, when they step on the floor, they look at some officials, they're like, oh, no, here we go. I mean, uh, Fred Van Vliet of the Toronto Raptors, he just went off. After one game about officials, so there is an awareness around the league. But our staff with the Magic, we we try not to look into that. All right, Dale Mark, I'm here. Thanks for jumping aboard. So now I got to ask: was it was it the fact that you yelled travel, or was it the way in which you yelled travel that you think got you the T? Hey, listen, <laughs> I, I, I stood up right, and I yelled travel because I'm in charge of our defense, and I yelled travel, and and I've known this official. Me and him was in a minor leagues for years, and I think he was just frustrated. He hit me with a tech. But this this is how much I know I was not at fault. Three days after that, we're in Miami, and another official came up to me, and when he seen a report that said I got a tech, he, was like, he laughed and said, I could not believe so-and-so gave you, the, gave you a tech. You're the nicest guy in the league. So yeah. I said, you are right. You need to tell that guy he was wrong. So I, I promise you, I did not deserve that text. Uh-huh. And, and um, we, re- we review those texts in the summertime, and that's $2,500 out my pocket. Wow. And I'm not paying that $2,500. Yeah. I'll tell you that. You know, the worst, it's certainly not at the, the level of the NBA, but the worst type of uh, when you start arguing with referees on, like, the high school level is when you, right. the coach is making his case and the ref doesn't want to hear it, but the official at the score table looks at the coach and be like, yeah, you're right. And that's the hard one to swallow because right, right, you're like, right, listen right, to right. your guy I at the, the table. Thing, the, the biggest thing coaches want from officials is communication. Yeah. Just, yeah. just some back and forth. Yeah. You just just communicate. Just and, and, again, I said it. As coaches, we don't have all the answers. We make mistakes. It's emotional for us, and I truly get as officials, they're not perfect. They make mistakes, and it's an emotional game for them. All right. I saved this one for near last. Warriors down two games to none. And I'd like to get your thought on that series and the fact that Draymond Green is not going to play and because he was suspended for the third game when they move it back to the Warriors' home court. Lee, um, first of all, I'm sorry to see Draymond got, got suspended. I didn't see most of that game, but I did see the play, and I watched a little bit off and on. I heard his foot was grabbed a couple of times. Um, he just can't respond that way. And, and before I go any further, I think Draymond Green is one of the greatest players ever played a game without having an impact on the game as far as scoring. But I will never, ever count out the Golden State Warriors League. I was with Portland for nine years. We faced them in the playoffs four or five times. They can go on a run <clears throat> like it's it's unheard of because they got some guys that can get it going. They've been there. Nobody expected them to win a championship last year. Um, even without Draymond going to play in that that arena, that place would be rocking. Um, I still think they'll they'll win um, the home court back two games on their arena. And then I would give the series to Golden State, just just being in the fact Draymond will be back, and they've been through the wars because nobody expected them to win a championship last year, and they did. And those those three guys, um, Clay, Steph, and Dre, they just been there. 
they're not as deep as they've been in the in, in the past, but um, I, I will still give it to them just because they've been in big, big-time games. Yeah, and the NBA, did you see the release they turned out? They said that uh, the suspension has to do with a lot of his, quote, unsportsmanlike conduct in recent years because of the flagrant fouls. Yeah, that's that's not right. They shouldn't they shouldn't penalize him for stuff that's in the past. Um, I, you know, when I watched the play, he should have gotten tossed. But before that, they let some stuff go, and I think Dre got frustrated. And Dre's not going to back down from anybody. Um, I didn't think they should suspend him for the next game. Um, the playoffs is a whole another level. There, I think I've told you this in the past. The physicality of the game is ten times. It, it's it's Unless you're sitting there and you watching, you have no idea the playoffs, how physical that is. But I don't think that they should have suspended him because it's a physical game. He should have been tossed. Um, I'm hoping the uh, bonus is okay, but I don't think they should have suspended him for the next game. Dale, I got so many questions, but we run out of time. Uh, we'll check in with you next week and get an uptake on the playoffs and where they're headed. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. You take care. Now, that's Dale Osborne, former right. Jag, longtime assistant. And, and and when we get some time, I wanted to ask him when he was in Portland about Damon Lillard. Yeah. And the fact that Lillard has stayed there for so long and the things that are going on with him. All right. So uh, we got a couple things going on here. Uh, we had a, a NHL incident where a guy took a skate to the face, got 75 stitches, and then came back in the game. But I want to hear from the medical listeners out there. How long does it take to stitch somebody up with 75? How, how fast can you do 75 stitches? I need, to, I need to hear from those in the medical field. I need to know. I need to get your take on that. Also, we mentioned Netflix is no longer sending DVDs as of September like 29th. I found out what the first DVD ever shipped by Netflix was. And I also saw what the most um, popular movie in that time frame was. Might surprise you, might not. Might have to do a little giveaway on that. Maybe a trivia question. Yeah, can we all put our guess in? Yeah, we could maybe do that. Uh, we're going to catch up with Roy Hudson next. Jim Nagy on the, um, on the NFL draft at 730. Stay with us. There's plenty left here. On a Wednesday edition, it's the opening kickoff. Driven deep to right center field. Judge turning, looking. See ya. All right, 724. Welcome back in here on a Wednesday edition. Thanks for hanging with us. It's the opening kickoff. So 100 years to the day yesterday as the Yankees hosted the Angels. Babe Ruth hit the very first home run at uh, Yankee Stadium uh, when they moved there from Polo Grounds. And so yesterday on the 100th anniversary, now, of course, there's a new Yankee Stadium, but you get what I'm saying. Otani homered in the first inning, the two-way pitcher, D.H., for the Angels. All right, let's talk to uh, Roy Hudson, the uh, good friend of mine who runs community banks here in Mobile and on the Eastern Shore. Roy, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Doing well. How are y'all doing this morning? Wonderful. Uh, Gulf Shores, uh, when, when do you expect to get that one up and cranking? Hey, look, we've got a uh, full staff down there at the beach. We're excited about serving the people of Gulf Shores and Orange Beach. We're getting very close. Uh, I think we'll take a uh, 
full uh, ownership of that at the end of the month, and maybe uh, in May you'll see us with a uh, an opening down there. So we're very excited. The bank looks amazing, and uh, it's getting close. We can't wait for sure. You still hiring at any of your community banks? Oh, yeah. We're always uh, looking for uh, new talent, Lee. Uh, that's one thing that we like is uh, having a bench that's deep and having a lot of experienced bankers. So we always are, are interviewing and talking with people. I think the word's out about how we do things. You know, you always ask me about the uh, like no other bank you know and uh, a bank like no other. It's just the way that we do the approach, and I think that, that people like to uh, – come and work in an environment where we deliver our products and services in the ways that we do. Absolutely. Roy, give our listeners uh, kind of a clue as to how to get in touch with you or anybody yeah, else there. Yeah, we have the offices on both sides of the bay, and they can give us a call at 338-7707. We appreciate you joining us, and we'll check in with you next week, and you have a great week. Thanks so much. Roy Hudson from Community Bank. All right, so there are people that didn't realize that Netflix, you're one of them, but there's somebody that didn't realize that Netflix used to mail DVDs to people. At what cost? It was it was it was basically a monthly plan, kind of like what you're doing now. Before that you could stream their stuff. Uh, and when this was kind of the end of Blockbuster, so instead of going to Blockbuster and getting your your DVDs whatever, you could go online and you could Click which ones you want, and they'd have a queue for you, and they'd start sending them to you. And depending on your plan, you get one at a time. Maybe you can get up to three at a time. They'd mail them to you in the in the mail. Well, why would you do that if you're getting Netflix anyway, right? Because Netflix, as it as it is now, didn't exist. You couldn't oh, stream. Okay. Okay. This was before streaming. So the news that came out yesterday was that Netflix will now be ending its DVD rentals. I didn't even know they were still doing it. But in their release, they mentioned the first movie ever shipped— and they also uh, mentioned the most requested, the most popular title during their run of DVD rentals. Do you want to take a shot? The first DVD shipped back in 1998. Oh, man. That long ago? Yes. Independence Day? Negative. Do we get three choices? You, yeah, no. Can I get multiple choice? I can, I can get it was, uh, it was a Michael Keaton film. Oh, Batman? No. Beetlejuice? Beetlejuice. Oh, I was going to say Mr. Mom. <laughs> Which was another good one, but a little earlier. Was the first DVD shipped on March 10th, 1998. Now, now, what was the most popular title shipped? There were over 5.2 billion DVDs shipped since 98. To 40 million different customers. What is the single? There were 20 main genres and 530 subgenres. What was the most popular title in DVD Netflix history? Top Gun. I want to be Avatar. It is definitely not Avatar. Oh. I will. I will give you a genre. It was a sports movie. Major the League. Blind Side. No. Yes, The Blind Side yeah. was the most popular title. In Netflix DVD history. Every time at school when we didn't have a test or we had a free day, they always were putting the blind side up on TV. Yeah. I can see Sandra Bullock barking at the coach now in my head. Can't we all? <laughs> Hugh, Free <laughs> Hugh Free says a lot of what went in that movie never really happened. Yeah. Well like like Sandra coming out on the field and telling the coach what plays to run. That was the best part when he called. She called the little yeah. running back the Oompa yeah. Loopa. 
You protect him. No, that was. Oh, but well Michael done, boys. The guy through the window and he goes in and says, "What's up to him?" She's yeah. like, "Oh, is that your friend?" No, that's my brother. Yeah, that that cut deep. Yeah, that was tough. Or not when he's like, "Oh, you never had your own room?" Nah, a bed. Yeah, good stuff. Where are you going? The gym. Why? I don't know. It's warm. Yeah, that's a tough movie, man. Tough movie. Hey, Jim Nagy's next. Stay with us. Take deep breaths and, and, and live a, a peaceful life to have a family, to to have people that are around me that love me and that care about me, and for those people to still have me in their lives, you know, they, they almost lost me. Like, I, I died on national TV in front of the whole world, you know what I mean? That right there is just that. 7.32, welcome back in. The opening kickoff continues. Mark and Lee and Triple G from the studios of Double, Double, Double. WNSP. Yeah, that was Damar Hamlin, three and a half months removed from being carried off the field, ambulance, everybody concerned about whether he would even make it. And here he is with a press conference yesterday telling people that he is coming back. He's been cleared to play in the NFL. So we're talking the NFL. The the draft is uh, almost a week away, and you've heard it. I think you've heard it in our promos. We have an NFL draft party set for walk-ons the night of the draft. You guys need to come on over and hang out with us because it's going to be a great event over there at walk-ons. Uh, we're going to have a, a grand prize. So what we're going to do is we're going to have you predict the first 10 Draft picks. Do they have to be in order? Well, I'm, I don't know myself. I'm yeah, asking. Yeah, so what we're doing, our own Triple G is heading this up. So it, it's going to be a little bit different, and it should help you this year with points. We're going to give points for everyone you get right, but this is where you pick it up, Nick. Sure. Uh, so every pick you get right is 10 points. Every pick where you're just one off is five points. Anything other than that is zero. Who's ever ten picks that they've predicted gets the most points, wins the $1,200 brand new Traeger grill from Bailey's TV and Mattress, and... And wait, there's more. <laughs> yeah. When Bryce Young gets drafted, whoever's still at the event at the moment he's drafted, we will do a drawing, and you can have the chance to win a Bryce Young jersey. How about that? Let me ask this. Is there a tiebreaker? Two guys wind up with the same amount of points? Yeah, the tiebreaker is I will randomly select one of them. So, uh, again, we're talking about the, the, the slot that the player is selected. Yes. We're not talking about whether the team gets the player right. It's where the player is selected. Yeah, it doesn't matter if they trade it up to take them. I'm talking one, two, three, four, right. five, six, seven. So eight, if you nine. have Bryce Young going to the Panthers at one and there's some crazy deal where Green Bay says, which would be uh, <laughs> crazy, but if Green Bay got up there and picked Bryce Young, you still get credit for Bryce Young going one. That's right. All right. So you guys need to make plans to come out to walk ons on, on airport. And hang with us. 
They're really excited. Wes and the folks out there are really excited about having us out. We're going to have some great prizes for you. Come meet some of the folks. Corey and Michael will be broadcasting the final drive from out there. We'll be giving out some T-shirts. To we got some new through. gear. Yeah, some new gear. Um, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to it. So come on out and hang with us at the uh, WNSP uh, NFL Draft Party and take part in our WNSP Draft Challenge. All right, let's uh, let's see. Uh, I think we're having some problems with uh, getting uh, Jim. We're going to try him back here in just a second because we got plenty to talk to. Uh, to, to the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl about. So. Jim's uh, been in the league with a scout for so many years, of course, as you know him now as the executive director of the Senior Bowl. But I was really interested to get his take on you know Bryce Young and, and, and what goes on behind the scenes as far as drafting players and so forth because Carolina's GM says, uh, no, I, I haven't talked to Bryce. Uh, it doesn't mean he hasn't talked to a rep or an agent or somebody about being the number one pick. And I'm just curious, and, and I mentioned years ago in the draft, uh, if a team, for instance, let's say Carolina had the number one pick back in the 70s or 80s, even though they weren't even in existence then, you know, they would sometimes say, yeah, this is going to be our number one pick. And they'd already start negotiating with him prior to the draft. But that doesn't happen anymore. And I wonder if it's the NFL that put the kibosh on that because they want to keep the suspense and keep everybody guessing going into the draft. But we haven't seen something like this, I don't think, Mark, with two quarterbacks since Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf came out. Who was going to be the number one pick? Was it going to be Manning or was it going to be Ryan Leaf? And in this scenario, you've got uh, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. And Carolina so, supposedly doesn't want to tip their hand. But I, I, have, I don't know. I just have this feeling that they must, at this late date, you must know who you want. I, I mean, I just can't imagine going with all the time between now and when the season ended that you don't know which guy you want. Well, it's not only... Who you want, but why don't you want other people to know who you want? Is did it somehow drum up interest in perhaps maybe calling Carolina and pitching a, a potential trade to move up? I it just seems like we're past that point. Yeah, well, they already traded up. I can't imagine them trading down. I just, I just have this again. You know, somebody like Jim would know more about this than I do. I just have a feeling that maybe the NFL doesn't want the information out there because they want people to tune in. It's yeah. their big, it's their big show. There was a time I'll go back in history when the um, ESPN requested permission to televise the NFL draft. Pete Rozelle was the commissioner, and there were a lot that went on there. But uh, the, 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 the short version is Pete Rozelle said, what do you want to waste your time with this for? What do you uh, well, Go ahead. You know, do it. But what do you want to waste your time? Well, you know how big it's become now. All right, you guys can jump in, uh, 694-1055. Uh, you want to get in on your favorite Netflix film you got? That's fine. We, we just mentioned the most popular in the first one shipped. There was, dude, there was a, it, it seems like it's out of Happy Gilmore. An NHL star got a skate to the face. I have still not heard from a medical person. Dude took 75, more than 75 stitches to the face and then came back. Into the game, my question is, first of all, you could count me out. I'd be done for the day. But How about for the year? Yeah, how how long does it take you guys out there in the medical field? How long would it take you all to stitch somebody up with 75, 75 stitches? How long, like if you were on the clock, I'm feeling like the guys that work for these franchises probably get timed, kind of like the ball boys now have to in baseball, right? No, no slow pace. You got to be, like on the pit crew at NASCAR, you got to be on your game. 
I'm assuming y'all are getting timed before you get that job. How fast can you do 75 stitches? Yeah, and again, watching hockey games, I haven't seen that many, but it seems like whenever somebody goes off the ice, they're back quickly. I saw that yesterday, but never in a situation like that. I can't believe he wasn't taken to the hospital. I really can't. And again, 75 stitches, what what leaves that, what part of your face is still... Yeah, where's not, the scar, man? I'll, yeah, where? what part of your face is, is left? How close was it to an eye? You mentioned that. You know, what if a skate came right across the so eye? So the skate was up, dude fell on it, he was on his knees and he was falling forward and literally caught the skate in his face, like blade first. It's got to be like, I can't think of a worst case scenario in any sport. You know, Mark, I'm surprised we don't see more of this, though, in the National Hockey League. Like, even yesterday in the Rangers' win over New Jersey, there were a couple of scrums near the goaltender where the goalie is sprawled, and you got four or five bodies pushing and shoving and so forth. And that's basically, I think, what happened in this, where the goalie sprawled to make a save. And as he did, you know, they lose their balance. They come down, they do that spread, and then their legs go up. And you have the opposing team with a uh, usually a one of their uh, forwards, the uh, sniper forward we call him, because he wants to tip in the uh, puck. Ooh, the sniper. Yeah, forward. he's the one that like tips in the puck. But he's there are always guys skating in and around that crease right in front of the goalie, and, and you see bodies falling all the time because that's the job of the defenseman to knock them down. I'm just really surprised this has not happened more often. It used to happen before masks for goalies and before helmets for players. Well, the helmet wouldn't have prevented this from happening, but when goalies didn't have masks, it was not uncommon for a, a, a goalie to be ushered off the ice to basically stitch up his face. Did you ever get stitches? No. Never. I've never had a were stitch. You, were you playing hockey back before they uh, made them wear masks and stuff? Yes. Did you ever wear a mouthpiece? No, no, we didn't play. Yeah. Let's let's be honest about it. Well, we played what we call recreational. Go out and just have some fun. We so were backyard, like backyard, on the yard, on the ice. Like you weren't in, a, in an no. organized league. No, no, no. I mentioned the a guy you worked with though. Don Hawes was coming up through junior hockey, and he used to tell me about you know all the hits he used to take and you know the back pains and things like that from getting boarded. No, I don't want to misconstrue this at all. I was not a hockey player. I was out there during, uh, you know, let's say we had school called off and the ice froze up. Four or five of us get out there, just shoot around and, and fun. That was it. No, no big deal. We, we weren't we weren't, we weren't, weren't going, though. We weren't dropping sticks and no, going out. No, nobody was dropping sticks uh, and dropping gloves because most of them didn't have gloves. Yeah. And I was the only one that had goalie equipment. Hmm. So you were you were always stuck playing goalie? I wanted they, to. No, oh, I wanted to play goal. I love playing. You were goalie. Goldberg the goalie? He was better than I was. Goldberg was? Yeah. He let less shots in than I did. Hmm. You're I like, wasn't very you're good. You're like Oprah over there. You get a goal, and That's you get right. a goal. And now, I could skate <laughs> to a degree. Uh, Nick and I had this conversation. The le- After a while, the legs get a little weary, you know, and you're kind of like <laughs> your ankles are touching ice or something like that. But it's... I, I really enjoyed that when we went out on the ice and, and did things like that. But I would I wouldn't no I, I it never work. got heated though because like when you play some pickup nah. ball with your friends nobody and, you cared. know the score got close man all of a sudden nah. you're d'ing up a little bit closer and maybe nah. there's an elbow maybe nah. you grabbed him a bit we weren't even that we're lucky we were lucky to be standing you know what I mean maybe, a lot of the guys I skated with maybe, barely could skate maybe the kids up north were just soft 
well, certainly were a lot softer than the ones up in Canada. At the time, Canadians were the ones that populated. Now you got, of course, Europeans coming and Finland and Switzerland and Russia. They all come over and play. What's that got to do with you being soft? To your backyard games, they were flying in. I'm sorry. Oh, they, they who was coming? The Europeans. They never the came Finnish to my house. They didn't come to the no, Slovenians. They, they come one, come all. That was a Indian class. There was hardly any houses on my street. There were only three houses. Best hockey movie. Slapshot. Yeah. Well, what are some of the others? Refresh my memory. Miracle. That was it. Mystery Alaska was excellent. I saw that too. I'd uh, go Miracle. Ducks. Mighty Duck series was I'd good. I'd still go Miracle. Very because underrated. It was a tr- I like true stories. Dune. <laughs> uh, Young Blood. I remember that. Rob Lowe, yep. Keanu Reeves, I remember Patrick that. Swayze. Very underrated film about junior hockey. I thought that was called Point Break. No. Now, that, that was another movie. Yeah. I saw that one, too. I didn't care for that too much. What are you talking about? He was one of the— I'm, That's what I'm talking about. See, I didn't care if, for him. If, I don't care for him. If we could have Keanu Reeves—I've always wanted to ask Keanu Reeves one question. Okay. Just one. Just one? Just one. Who would he think is the better quarterback? Shane Falco. Oh, here we go with Falco. Or Johnny Utah. By the way, um, from Point Break. The other day, and again, I referenced the show that follows us. I'm not a big fan of Keanu Reeves as far as I wouldn't go to a movie because he's in it. But Dan Patrick said he's one of the nicest he guys. Is. There's all sorts of he's crazy stories. Ever about him. met. They had him on the show, I guess, a few times. They love him. They think he's the greatest. Yeah. If there was one question you could ask Keanu, what would it be there, uh, Nick? <laughs> See, I feel like you would ask Keanu Reeves that, and he'd be like, Wow, is is that really all all you wanted to say? <laughs> yep. I don't know. I'd probably be like, uh, "Hey, when's John Wick Five coming out? Can I can I get a role?" You see, that's what the average general audience asks. Like, that's just the uh, Keanu's here. You got to dig deep, man. You got to he's got to know that you appreciate his the finer points of his work. I mean, that's a very, my question's very specific to his career. I mean, I'm pulling names from so the past. Mine. And I'm bettering my own. Dude, when is John Wick coming out? John Wick 5. Like, don't you want to no, ask something I like, said, yo, can I get a role in the movie? Yeah. Why would he give you a role in the movie? You have no experience. You could be a stand-in, I guess. You know who also didn't have experience? <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> oh, no. Harry Fisher. In 1977. <laughs> Why did she go to you MGM? Know who also didn't have experience. Every one of the Stranger Things kids. Yeah. You know who also didn't have experience? The guy who played Michael Orr in the best rented DVD in Netflix history. Yeah. Did you ever read Michael Orr's reaction to the movie? No, I, I know he. Like and, most people say, yeah, it's right. it's not all based on truth. Right. Whatever. Get over it. It made a mint. All right. Coming back, you got some Chick-fil-A for us? Yes. Okay. We'll do some Chick-fil-A next. You guys can jump in on the conversation. Medical personnel out there, how fast can you stitch up? How fast could you stitch do 75 stitches? What are we talking about? 10 minutes? 15 minutes? Well, did, did you check... Can you Google to see how long it took for him to get back out there? That's that's the key. I mean, if you can find it. I haven't been able to, but... You can't find it? Of course not. 
But you got your iPad there and your iPhone, Lee. One at a time. Okay. I I will do the research here at the break. How about that? Someone in the app said probably 10 minutes. That's that's moving, man. I don't see how they could get it done in first of all the 75 stitches in 10 minutes. I can't I can't see that. 10 minutes. It would take him 10 minutes to hold me down to, to, to dead in the area first. Mr. Miyagi healed a whole broken <laughs> leg. Hi, this is Luis Gonzalez, former South Alabama Jaguar and Major League player. You're listening to WNSP Mobile. Chick-fil-A. I could eat there seven times a day. Where the people laugh and children play Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A Alright, 7.50, you hear the music, that can only mean one thing, Lee. Hit them with what you got. Alright, we're going to do that right now. Uh, the question has to do with the NFL draft. Alabama has had a first uh, rounder, let's say, from their team. A player from Alabama that's gone in the first round 14 straight years, which is tied with what school, if they get well, they will get to number 15. That will set a record for a college team the most times a player selected in the first round. Name the school that Alabama's tied with for the most years that a player has gone in the first round. All right. Did uh, I say that right? Does that make sense? In a Lee kind of way, yes. Yeah, okay, good. good. If you understand Shervanianisms and Leonese, yeah. then you know, you know. All right, one Crimson Tider, at least one, has been uh, drafted in the first round for 14 years, ever since Nick Saban came along. And that is tied for the longest in draft history with the run produced by what school? All right, we need a name of a school. Wait, like a Jim on? Great. Jim Nagy, Executive Director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. Jim, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Yeah, good morning, guys. Yeah, the, the really wanted to get you on to talk. Uh, number one, I want you to kind of give us what your feel, your insight, and what you know from all your years in the NFL. Like, we've raised a lot of questions. Like, if Carolina knows who they want to draft, why not come out and say it? it they used to, teams used to do this in years gone by. They don't do it anymore. And, and I'm curious why not. And do you, do you, th when you read the GM's comments, that I haven't talked to Bryce, and, and Bryce says I don't want him pre-draft. Do you get the impression that's a done deal that he's going there, or is there still a lot up in the air? I think it's done, and I think it'll it'll get out before next Thursday. That I mean, it'll get announced, and it'll, it'll be, the league right now is probably putting a lot of pressure on the Panthers to keep this thing under wraps because their their ratings are a lot higher at the beginning of that draft if if the if the number one pick is is still unknown. So. Um, but I do. I think it'll get out there. I think the, the team will end up announcing something, and um, and then the intrigue will start at number two. And there's a there's a ton of intrigue there with with the Houston Texans possibly not taking a quarterback, um, you know, and, and potentially trading out of that um, for another team to trade up and take a quarterback. So um, yeah, this might be a little league pressure, a little Roger Goodell pressure uh, to the Carolina Panthers to try to keep this thing under wraps. But um, you know, what are we like? We're like eight days away from the draft, I and mean, that's a long time now. <laughs> to uh to be sitting on the snooze well i i understand that i was wondering that also if they're just doing it because the nfl asked them to do it just don't release anything keep the suspense going i'm trying to remember i know there's been other years the one the one year that sticks out to me about the quarterbacks peyton manning and ryan leaf became such a big deal who goes first who goes second 
So I under, I see where they're going with this to increase their ratings. Jim, give us some of the other thoughts you have on the draft coming up this week, things to look for or next week, things that are, you know, ticking through your mind. It may, you know, may involve some senior bowlers or something like that, or how you see this thing playing out. That's a really open question. I could go in a lot of different directions. I know. That's what that. I did. It. That's why I did it. You know, the, the quarterback thing will be interesting just because there's no real consensus of, you know, really the quality of this year's draft. We've been talking about the, the top of the, you know, the top five and potentially four quarterbacks going. But um, I think some of these quarterbacks are being overrated in the media. I don't think the teams see this group uh, quite like the media does. Like everyone thought C.J. Stroud from Ohio State would be the slam dunk number two pick to the Houston Texans. And, and it, it doesn't sound like that. It doesn't seem that way now. Um, and then, you know, uh, Anthony Richardson at Florida and Will Levis, Kentucky are, are both pretty raw players. Um, there's there's easy, easy holes to uh, to poke in both those guys. So, no, I mean, closer to home, I mean, the, the Alabama thing, I, I do think, you know, Bryce will go one. And I think Will Anderson's got a really good chance of going two. And then I think you could see Brian Branch. I think Brian Branch is going to go in the first round, even though um, he ran slow at the combine. I, I don't think that's going to hurt him. His pro day workout at Bama was really good. He's, the speed's not his game anyway. He's just a really good athlete. Um, maybe not top end speed. And then I think Jameer Gibbs um, has a chance to sneak in at the end of the first round, but probably more of a second rounder. And then, you know, if we flip it to Auburn, I think Derek Hall's uh, easily going to be the top Auburn guy drafted, um, and we'll see where that is. It'll probably be in the same area that Roger McCreary went last year, in that early second-round area, early to mid-second-round area. Um, you know, and then I, I always love keeping an eye on our local guys, and, and uh, you know, the guys from South Alabama, Jalen Wayne and, and Darrell Luter, where those guys end up. So, so you know, there should be a lot of intrigue there. And then I'm fired up. We've got our draft party next week, and Tajay Spears, who was our – uh, the, the great running back from Tulane is going to be our kind of our guest of honor this year at, at our draft party. So, um, you know, in, in Tajay, he's got a, he's had two ACL injuries, so we don't know what the medical is going to do to Tajay, you know, where he gets picked. Hopefully he won't hurt him too much. Um, if you take the injury out, he'd probably be the third running back off the board um, after B. John Robinson from Texas and then, and then Jameer Gibbs and then Tajay. Um, but we'll see. But that should be that should be a lot of fun too. So yeah, there's a there's you know, and then you got you got you got a lot of other local stories, um, some local guys that, that grew up here that, that have a chance to get picked. So uh, should always draft's always fun. Those are those are always like three of my most favorite days of the year. Should be a fun time. What was your reaction to Demar Hamlin coming out yesterday and saying he's ready to return to the NFL? Yeah, it's what he loves to do. You know, I mean, I think that it. That we all saw him. You know, I mean, he died on the field essentially is what is what the doctors are saying and what DeMar's saying. So uh yeah, it seems you know, it seems crazy. We can't we can't put ourselves in DeMar's shoes and if this is what he loves to do and this is what he's grown up his whole life doing and this is his passion. Um and he's and he's been fully cleared um by multiple doctors to do it and there's no there's no greater risk than when he, you know, pre the incident, uh if he's going back to what he was before, which is what it sounds like, um, then go for it, man. I mean we I think a lot of people search in life all, all their life to find something they're passionate about. Um and Demar Demar Hamlin's passionate about playing football and he knows that. And uh he's got he's got a ton of football left in his in his life. Um the guy could play another ten years. So uh I'm just happy for him. It's an incredible story and and uh, DeMar had a, a really good week down here in Mobile and, and uh, you know, really made an impact off the field. I mean, really, when, you, when you're around the guy, you can see why he was able to overcome all this because um, he's a really strong character guy. So, no, I'm happy to see him get back. It's uh, something he loves to do. Hey, Jim, we appreciate you coming aboard, man. Um, 
I, I don't want to. I hate breaking news to you uh, as you're a guest, but today, sir, you are officially old. I just, I just want to. Yeah. I hate to break that news to you, but you're old. I'm, I'm feeling it. Yeah. This morning, my my son turns 18 today. So yeah, I'm I'm the I'm the father of an 18 year old. Uh, just hugged him goodbye on his way to school, and uh, yeah, man, I, trust me, it, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're both we're both losing a man. We're both losing our, our boys here in a couple months to college. So uh, yeah, it's just another one of those one of those markers that makes you uh, look in the mirror and be like, "Yep, you're not getting any younger." There's yep. no doubt. Well, congratulations and uh, happy birthday to Hayden. We appreciate you jumping aboard and uh, live it up tonight. All right, yeah, we, we I got some steaks to cook tonight, so tonight should be fun. We we will be there in, in due time. Hey, man, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Okay, thanks, guys. That's Jim Nagy, executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. Uh, coming up, oh, we got a winner on the Chick-fil-A, too, so congratulations to Chris. He got the answer to your University question. University of Miami, 14 straight years. That's over with. Alabama will break the record next Thursday night. And you'll be there to hear it at Walk-Ons. At Walk-Ons to our WNSP draft party. It starts with the final drive. Corey and Michael will be on the call. Our WNSP draft challenge. You come in. You predict the top 10 spots. Nick's going to tabulate with his, you know. Tabulator. Yeah, with his Forrest Gump way of adding numbers. I and think Forrest Gump was good at adding numbers. Rain Man, then. Yeah, that's better. Yeah. Rain Man with his Rain Man way of getting us to Kmart and all that good stuff. But come on by Walk-Ons next Thursday. Up for grabs, a $1,200 valued Traeger grill and a Bryce Young jersey. How about that? And, of course, you get to see all the fine personalities and Nick. Coming up, Chris Stewart. It's the opening kickoff. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shervanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. All right, 8.04, hour number three. Thanks for hanging with us here. It's Mark Lee and Triple G. It's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. We'll have some South Alabama baseball tickets up for grabs here in just a little bit. And a reminder, we're on the road tomorrow and Friday. The Dr. Chris Ramonics championship drive takes us to St. Paul's tomorrow and Sarah Land on Friday. The uh, three home teams won last night and uh, the NBA playoffs. That would be uh, Cleveland uh, tying that series. Phoenix tied their series. And Boston goes two up in Atlanta. Uh, in baseball, Clayton Kershaw won his 207 innings of shutout ball as the Dodgers beat the Mets. Otani with a home run in the first inning yesterday as the Yankees celebrated the 100th anniversary of Yankee Stadium and Babe Ruth hit the very first home run there 100 years ago and then Otani in the first inning, of course, the connection there being a two-way player and so forth. Uh, We've been talking about the draft. Bryce Young and a guy that broadcast his games this year and continues with the A-Day game this coming Saturday, which, of course, we will carry on WNSP. Let's check in now with Chris Stewart. Chris, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? 
Guys, good morning. It's good to hear from you. I'm doing great. Before we get to the festivities and all that is geared around on Saturday, you had a baseball game last night and it went extra innings. And I see, did I, I was trying to make, you know, you look at what was going on. Did Alabama lose that game on an era? Yeah, they did. And in fact, <laughs> it wasn't just one. There were three in the game that led to, gosh, I want to say three unearned runs total for uh for UAB in that game. It may have it may have just been two, but it was uh certainly the difference in the ball game and, and the the really tough part of that is that it came from guys that are the two of the best not only on the team but in the in the entire conference. And uh Jim Jarvis had a couple of errors that led to to one under run and then you had uh at the end Drew Williamson um, committed one. It wasn't routine. It took kind of a tricky hop, but it was one that he probably didn't play. He'll tell you he didn't play right, and it allowed a a uh, winning run to come across for the Blazers. And so Bama's three errors led to, uh, like I said, at least two unearned runs, and it's their first midweek loss of the entire season. Uh, tough one, but it's, uh, it's the fact that they got it done over the weekend. Uh, certainly offset that in a big way. That was a huge series win against Auburn. I'm not trying to deflect or, or change the topic, but it's just the reality. If you if you don't get the series win and then you drop a, drop one in the midweek, or you're like you you were last year at this time, where Alabama went eight and five in the midweek games, and that actually cost them a spot in the regionals. They probably had enough conference wins that if they had lost or won just a couple of other midweek games they would have been in a regional. And at this point, I think the RPI, which still matters in, in baseball, not basketball, but it does in baseball. I think the RPI uh, being where it is in the top 25 and, and where they're trending right now in conference, going to the back half of league play, they're in good shape. But that one was tough last night. So, okay, I was, you answered my question. I was curious about how Alabama stands right now with a ways to go. Did I read also where Tennessee has a losing record in the SEC in baseball? Uh, they are, if I'm not mistaken, 5-10 uh, and 10 right now in the league, and Alabama's at 6. And... Hello? You still there, Chris? You can still hear me. Yeah. Okay. Okay, we were just having a little breakup problems there. How about now, guys? Stay with us. We don't want to lose you. Yep. I don't want to lose you. If I do drop, it'll get back. I mean, on that stretch uh, between Birmingham and Tuscaloosa where there's a dead spot or two. I'm sorry. No problem. Um, okay. So they... <laughs> All right. Let's just see if maybe we can uh, either... Uh, let, I, t I tell you what, let's see if we can catch yeah. up with Chris at another time. He's in a bad spot. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to him at some point, uh, but that's just not fam family-friendly right there. We, it's unfortunate, but we'll see if we can get back to him. Uh, we got some South Alabama baseball tickets coming up at 820 and Richie Riley. Richie Riley, by the way, got its officials got three transfers, so the big question out there is uh, he's got spot for another. He can't really talk about who, but we will, and we will phrase accordingly so that we don't get him in trouble. Do you but, know for a fact on his roster, is it he's still got some room? I know he's got a couple of freshmen. He signed about three or four freshmen. He's got three transfers. I'm guessing you're, you're right. I'm, I'm guessing he still has room for another I'm one. I'm thinking from um, – I don't know the exact number, but he's got room. Okay, I did. Let's back up while we had Chris. Our broadcast on Saturday, 
for the uh, A-Day game uh, is at 1.30. And, of course, Chris will be doing the play-by-play with the usual, the Alabama radio network. Oh, I thought you were going to say something over there, Triple G. My bad. Uh, yeah, you guys can jump in, 694-1055. You know the one thing we didn't talk about yet was if if the opening kickoff was a band, what would the name of the band be? This is one of those deals where we had a good idea. That was the whole promo. That was basically the whole promo, but we got... We, well, who could, who could predict that somebody was going to get a skate to the face? Nobody. Not nobody. you, not anybody. Nobody. I had an. I wanted to bring this up with Chris, but Mark, I could even bring it up with you. <laughs> I was looking, and again, it's it's early, I know, but most most everybody who's been talking about college football next year has got Georgia as the team to beat in the SEC, and, and that stands to reason. They've won two titles, even though they'll have a change of quarterback. But I saw this morning where the ESPN preseason football power index, they have Ohio State number one, but they have Alabama second and Georgia third. That's really the first time I've seen any index, people, whatever, place Alabama over Georgia. Because there's been this talk about, well, Kirby's now the the key, you know, the key, the alpha coach in the SEC. Georgia shooting for a third straight title, but and, and most of the talk has been about Georgia and very little about Alabama. What yeah, do you think? He's definitely the lead singer. <laughs> <laughs> lead, you're gonna be the face of our band. I don't. I can't play an instrument. It doesn't matter. Can See, I? How about if I hit the tambourine? You, you, you're it's, pretty busy there. Your eyeball well, is blowing what, up. Well, what's on going you. on is Chris is trying to call. He, that's what his message is. Well, he's trying to call. Do you, do you want to go ahead? No, and he's trying that? to call our board op, who's not paying attention. No, Mark told me that we would get to him at another time, and he was leading to a break. Come on, guys, stop fighting! I don't know who to make happy. <laughs> I still awkward silence. <laughs> <laughs> Call him back for the next break. I just we'll just talk a little about the eight day game. All right, let's do this. Let's go. Let's let's kill the sport scoreboard. Let's go to break here. We'll do traffic and weather, and we'll come back with Chris Stewart right here on the sports station WNSP and WNSP.com. This is Juan Pierre, former South Alabama Jaguar, former MLB player, and you're listening to WNSP. chance at uh, some tickets to the South Alabama baseball game. This is for Friday night's game between the Jags and Georgia State. Jags go a game over 500. They won that doubleheader yesterday. The question is, uh, Clayton Kershaw becomes the third Dodger pitcher ever to record 200 wins. He got the win yesterday as the Dodgers beat the Mets 5-0. Question is, who was the last Dodger pitcher to reach 200 wins, and it was in a Hall of Fame career. If you know the answer, call next 
We got Chris on? Oh, good. Chris Stewart, uh, back with us. Can't let him go. Chris, good morning. How are you today? A second time. Good morning, guys. Guys, I'm sorry. Uh, one one bad sell between uh, Birmingham and Tuscaloosa. I managed to find it with you again. I'm sorry. Hey, no problem. Just make sure that the broadcast on Saturday comes in loud and clear. All right? We'll, uh, we'll have the, uh, as my boss Jim Carabin calls it for Tom's site, the flux capacitor is up and running because uh, it's will have some gizmos set up, that's for sure. All right, why don't you kind of lay the navigators through what's going to take place on Saturday, your preparation for the game. Obviously, the quarterback issue is number one, but, you know, some of the other things that uh, you'll be talking about and broadcasting about. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. John Parker Wilson, Christian Miller, and I will be on the, the call. Roger Hoover, our buddy, is uh, going to be in Columbia with baseball at, at uh, Alabama, Missouri, so I'll be in, in – uh, Tuscaloosa with those guys and looking forward to it. I, I did go and watch a little bit of the scrimmage this past weekend and, and got my eyes on, um, you know, kind of what they look like. And I, I'm excited about seeing what they do in this type of setting because it'll be more of a – it's not a full game or, you know, full game setting, but I think it'll be fun to see uh, both Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson and see their development. I think you'll see development on the, the part of both of those players. It was pretty evident in watching them both in the scrimmage. Um, I think the the backfield of McClellan, uh, Jace McClellan, Roydale Williams, Justice Haynes, Jam Miller, the, primarily those four guys uh, will be fun to watch. Fans are really going to like what they see in Haynes and Miller, the, the two freshmen, and, and just how physically uh, tough and strong and ready to, uh, to help this team win ball games and championships will will be. I think they'll be really excited with it. And also the physicality of the offensive line and, and how that looks. Um, you know, again, when you get excited about one side, you get concerned about the other. And I think there were plenty of good plays on both sides, playmakers on both sides, to, to have both sides feel good about what they, they have uh, at the same time. You know, again, when when the defense does something great, you go, uh-oh, what about the offense? So it'll be ones-on-ones, twos-on-twos, and, it, and I think it'll be fun to see, but it's not what exactly what you'll have when the tide rolls out of the season opener next fall. This is not your first rodeo doing a spring football game. Do you go into the game with the mindset of getting the, the, the play-by-play or you're more into the personalities? You know, there's both. It is a more, uh, I don't know if the term is right, but the one that I use, it's a more casual, laid-back broadcast. You know, you're going to call the play. You're going to describe it. You don't want it to be any more confusing than it has to be for the listener in terms of what's happening with the game. But I think you, um, if you are a little late on a snap or if you miss uh, the description of a snap while you're telling a story about somebody or talking about their future, and where they factor into the plans, I think for the listener that may have a little more value as to whether or not, you know, it's a one or two yard gain on on second and six, um, you know, from the 35 yard line in the second quarter of an eight day game. So those are things that we'll spend some time on, and we'll we'll look forward to talking about that. The day as a whole, if the weather's great, and I think it's going to be, should be really really fun. You've got the, you know, the uh, captains putting their hand and footprints in the uh, 
cement around Denny Chimes, which is a long, long, long standing tradition at Alabama. That'll take place a um, good bit before kickoff. Um, Coach Saban will be there for that with the captains from last year's team, and they'll they'll take part in that ceremony, and uh, they'll do that again, obviously. There's also, if you, you want to go ahead and get your spot in the stadium for the game itself, something that's fun, the, uh, the A Club, the Letterman's Club, has an, an annual flag football game where uh, it's exactly what you think it is. Former players taking part in that. It's fun to see them. They, they, they say they don't take it seriously until they get on the field and until it gets close and until it gets down to the wire. And then I know from experience, I've seen it, guys, uh, guys do take it serious. And it doesn't come without its casualties. I was the last time I did this about five, six years ago. I think it's when Kevin Lee blew his ACL out. So uh, hopefully none of that will take place, but it does. And uh, so it'll, it's fun to see those guys back in Tuscaloosa at Bryant-Denny and just all sorts of things that surround the day and the event besides the game itself, which is most important and draws the most eyeballs. But it will be uh, a fun day and any chance you get to come back home for Alabama people, that is special and that's what Saturday brings kind of attendance do you are they do they charge for this are they charging or is it free uh you know what i don't think so um there have been times where i, I think they may have done uh asked for a five dollar donation in year in some years they did for charity um it may be tornado relief one year i think that was done i don't recall specifically lee but i don't think that's the case I know all the details are available on the uh, Alabama website, which is RollTide.com, and there, there's a link there for all the A-Day at, uh, schedule and all the information you need relative to that. I don't know what the crowd will be like. I would be surprised if there's not, uh, you know, north of 30,000. It will be difficult, if not impossible, ever to match what I had the chance to experience hard to believe 17 years ago now coach Saban's first ever a-day game and Tyler Watts and I were doing the television play-by-play for that um it was either CSS I guess it may have been AC and sports back then I can't recall but we were doing the the broadcast and they were not going to open the upper level there was no plan there'd never been a need for that you just had the lower bowl and it was like watching ants cover uh, a picnic basket almost. Um, they were swarming in, and then the upper deck, you got word that they were going to open the upper deck and see that file in. And there were people, I forgot how many thousands they said were turned away uh, approximately that day because everybody wanted to see what an, a Nick Saban Alabama football team might look like, even in a practice, which is what the A-Day game is. Uh, you know, a, a controlled scrimmage situation. And Coach admitted, uh, has admitted over the years, that that was a major eye-opener even for him that Alabama football meant as much as it did to as many people. He had an understanding, but it was a true right-in-front-of-your-face eye-opener that um, that many people cared and wanted to see what, his team might look like even in a practice setting. 
Chris, we appreciate the time. I, I, I challenge you to this. Stay on the air long enough on the broadcast so that you can do play-by-play -play of the fans being led on the field and running for position to get autographs. We'll see what I can do, but some things that defy description. <laughs> so we will, uh, we'll see if we can get that done. All right. Well, I think if anybody could depict that in a colorful way, it would be you, Chris. So that's my challenge to you. Let's make this happen. How about if, if it's not on air, uh, shoot me your cell number, and I'll just try to give you the description personally. Uh, How about that? Yeah. Um, personally, I think if you tweet like a video of you doing play-by-play, -play, I think a viral video of the day, it would win the Internet. Yeah, sure. Let's go with that. Like Kevin Harlan when, uh, exactly. when somebody runs onto the field. During yes. The, yeah, I could. I'm no Kevin Harlan, but I'll give that a shot. All right. Well, you're my hero, Chris. Make it happen. No pressure. Thank you, guys. All right, man. Appreciate you so much. Thanks. Yep. That's Chris Stewart, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so you will get to hear uh, A-Day coverage here on uh, WNSP. You know, he had mentioned about Kevin Lee blowing his knee out. There was a story this morning. Miles Garrett, the uh, really good defensive player for the Browns, quote, retiring from Pro Bowl games after he dislocated his toe. He says, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> He still hasn't totally recovered from that. Imagine get, if he had 75 stitches in the face. How would you feel about that? But he could run fast. Indeed. All right, so uh, we got uh, a winner on the, tickets? on the tickets. Gilbert is the winner. Congratulations to Gilbert. Don Sutton, who grew up right down the road, down there in that Pensacola area, was the last Dodger pitcher to win over 200 games, went on to broadcast for the Braves, the late Don Sutton. You see, uh, and I appreciate that Chris has a job to do with the A-Day and spring games, but give me the antics that go with spring games. I don't need to see, you know, what the backup running back did in a controlled scrimmage. Let me see the overweight, overly optimistic guy running to get to Nick Saban's line and tripping over the hash mark. That's good quality entertainment right there. And then you got the guys. You know how it is when they open the line for like the new release at the theater and a bunch of anxious folks or you're getting in line for Disney or whatever theme park and everybody starts with a very brisk walk and now all of a sudden we're competitively walking and then it starts to be a jog and then it's just a full out sprint. It's like everybody wants to do the right thing, but it's monkey see monkey do and it becomes this rat race. Well, if you're I'm going to that. follow it, you're going to have to listen on WNSP. It is not on your cable. Now, it is streaming, I guess, on ESPN Plus if you have that, but you cannot get it by going to ESPN because they are carrying the Colorado. Yeah. You can't be. Scrimmage. You can't be putting it in the old Netflix queue and getting the DVD anymore. No, you got to stream it. Richie Riley's next. The opening kickoff continues right here on the Sports Station.
832, boys and girls, on a Wednesday. That can only mean one thing here on WNSP. Yeah, with the Hoosiers theme, let's bring in Richie Riley, the South Alabama basketball coach. Coach, good morning. How are you today? Good morning, sir. How are you? Richie Riley joining us this morning. Good morning. Hey, fellas. There you Great go. We got you on. So, uh, the report is that you signed three transfers, I think at least four freshmen, three or four freshmen prior to that. Any more room on the roster for anybody else? Yeah, we have one. We have one left, and um, we love what we've done so far. We just got to finish strong and 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 get the right one. And um, you know, I, I really, I really like what our staff has done, what we've been able to accomplish so far. Um, hopefully, we can hit a home run on this last one. Uh, if you were to pitch me a guy from, uh, we got to be careful here. If you were to pitch me a guy from here to come play for you, what would that pitch be? The, the, the one thing I would say is, is for the city, do it for burn the boats, do it for the city. <laughs> you know, that's a question I was going to ask you anyway. What, what is your, like for a transfer, not, not so much for a freshman incoming freshman, but for a transfer, what is the pitch? To bring somebody, you brought somebody down from St. Francis in uh, Pennsylvania, I think. Seton Hall, I'm very familiar with Seton Hall. To get him to come down here, what is the pitch? Yeah, it's really, you know, the thing that I always say to guys is, you know, when you're when you're looking for a specific thing, um, when it comes to the transfers, when, you, when you're looking for a specific thing, you've got to, all of us coaches can tell you, can tell you, you know, all of us can really talk. Most of us, anyway. If you get any success as a coach, you can really talk. So they're going. You're going to hear a lot of stuff, but you got to trust the facts. And when it comes to the facts, nobody's been better in the country with transfers than we have by the numbers. Um, I mean, our our success rate with transfers, what they've been able to accomplish here, the improvement they've had statistically, um, the success they've had going to be a pro. Um, afterwards is is second to none in the country as far as the amount of guys that we've had here be successful and same thing at Nichols when I was there so it's um it's it's a heck of a sale man and um even in the climate of NIL the way it is now it's changed the dynamic a little bit um it's still a great sale we were we were able to go out and get get some guys that you know, we're really excited about. And a lot of it comes down to the success we've had. I mean, it's like, it's like if I'm talking to you, you know, you know, and you're you're going to look for a foot doctor, man, your foot's messed up and you need a foot doctor, you're not going to go to a brain surgeon. The best brain surgeon in America, you know, like whether it's Duke or whatever, you know, when it comes to basketball terms, you're, you're not looking for that. You're looking for a specific thing when you're coming out of that portal. And there's not, there's not a better one than us, so. That's um, that's kind of that's kind of who we are, and then and then just who we are, our family environment. Um, South Alabama is an incredible place to, you know, show a recruit and sell a recruit, and the people in our city and Mobile. I mean, it's it's a great place, you know. And we try to mix it up. Again, we we're three and three right now. Three really good high school kids, three really good transfers, and we'll add one more transfer. All right. So you you're talking about what guys are looking for in south you have one transfer spot or one spot left what are you looking for specifically what do you need what do you want yeah we're looking for we're looking for an impact guy to come in um we've really put this thing together strategically 
we're looking for an impact guy. And we play positionless, so we're looking for a guy that can come in, that can can make shots. Um, athleticism is a premium. We want to have great athleticism, great length. Um, we're looking for – we're hopefully get a guy with multiple years, maybe three years left. And um, to, be a, to be an impact guy, and I, I think – uh, you know we're on the right the right one the right ones and um we just got to do a good job finishing but there there's a huge need for another big wing perimeter guy and um that's that's what we're looking to do so we'll 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 see man it's um it'll be it'll be great if we can finish the right way because I do really really like the makeup of our team right now so if we can finish the right way and and close it, then then I'm, I'm really excited. Did you – okay, Isaiah Moore had a fabulous finish to the season. And, and you could also – is he going to go on and play like overseas or somewhere? And I would ask you, do you have a player coming in with his kind of talent? He's going to do really well. He's going to make a ton of money. He's got to work out with the Wizards here. I feel like in a, whenever that those start happening, um, I think that's set up already. He's – he, he he'll probably have to make a decision whether or not he wants to try the G League route and, and try to work his way in that way, or if he wants to take because I think he can make a lot of money just on his initial contract over in Europe or somewhere overseas. So he's got to decide what he thinks is best for him. Um, but he's got a bright future. Owen White um, is looking for some opportunities too over there right now. I think he's gonna might end up over in Greece or somewhere over that way. Kevin Samuel just finished at Portsmouth. Um, played well up there, and he's going to have a ton of opportunity. Again, it'll come down to what he wants to do, G League route, or go make a bunch of money overseas. And then Greg Parham just signed with an agent, and um, he's got opportunities that are going to be on the table too. So we went four for four, and, and that makes me happy. All those guys have their degree. A couple of them, I guess three of them, have their master's from South Alabama are going to have their master's once Owens they finish. So it, it doesn't get much better than that. Rich, let me ask and, you. And as far as their guys, as far as their guys coming in, I mean, I, I think I think there's more depth in this class um, with our transfer class so far. Um, but you don't ever know that you get them here. It's like I, Zay, I was incredibly excited about. But the thing that made him special here is he came in here and he was like a sponge. I mean, he already had talent, but he came in here he's like a sponge. And from day one, he just took everything in and he just ran with it, man. I, I don't know that I've ever coached a kid that maximized the opportunity like he did. I mean, it was really cool to see. I mean, he, he went from five years ago, not having any offers and begging a D2 to take him to being a first team all Sunbelt guy in one year. I mean, it's, it was really special. It shows how special he is. I'm going to pick up on a question Mark kind of alluded to. I was told there's over 2,800 in the portal for basketball, how many do you identify or target to try to bring them to South? And how much research time do you have to actually check into their credentials and character and, and this and that? I mean, there's so many out there. To me, it's like going into a candy store and all kinds of flavors and things like that. And you're kind of like, well, should I take this or should I take that? How do you, how many do you identify? Yeah, you have to be organized. I mean, you have to be incredibly organized. And the, and the plan we go off of, I really believe in this, is you narrow your focus. Because if, you, if you're if you out here recruiting a million of these guys, they don't get to know you and you don't get to know them enough to, for everybody to be comfortable. 
you know, and so we narrow our focus. We're strategic in our approach. You know, obviously they have to have character and be great people first and foremost. But then I watch a ton of film on synergy. I think it helps my assistants, you know, so, because I'm very direct in who we're trying to get. And we don't waste time. We spend a lot of time prioritizing, and then we just work relentlessly. I always tell kids, if we recruit you for two weeks, it's going to feel like two months um, because of how relentless we are. And I think that's why you see some of the quick turnarounds and why we've been able to beat some people. I and mean, we wouldn't beat some people on these transfers. And our high school guys, too, back in the fall. But, you know, that's – we we don't recruit a lot of guys. You see a lot of offers go out for guys. You know, it's the thing about social media. Anytime a guy gets an offer, it's blessed to receive an offer from, you know, you don't see South Alabama on a tunnel. It's um, We're selective, and we do that so that they can really get to know us, and they can also feel how, how, how much of a priority they are for us. Man, if, if two weeks feels like two years, imagine what four years might feel like being recruited by Richie Riley. Um, I want to ask you, I want to switch gears. I, I got to ask you, uh, Draymond put his foot down. Where do you stand on the Draymond Green issue? It's a little bit crazy, man. I, I don't, it, part of, if that was, let's just say that was Rui Hashimura that that happened with Sabonis then Rui's probably not suspended. You know, I think a lot of it comes down to to Draymond and all the antics that he has in his past. And, you know, it's he anytime an incident like that happens with him because of his past, he's going to get suspended. So I expected it. You know, was it absolutely crazy outlandish? I've seen a lot worse, but I, I can I can understand it. And, and then his reaction after that didn't help either, you know, yelling in the the crowd and doing all the stuff, but I, I think it hurts them though. I think it hurts them, and they, they're a must win. I mean, they they have to win these two because I don't know if they can win in Arco. Arco's back to the Chris Weber, white chocolate, um, Boyakovich. Yeah. <laughs> it's back to those the Doug Christie. It's back to those days, man. That thing is rocking. So I don't know if they can win there. So they're going. They have to if they lose one. And they have to win twice at Arco. I mean, I think they're going home. Richie, I wanted to ask you, and I'm guessing you're very familiar with this person. Um, Alabama has announced the hiring of Austin. Is his name, is it Clounch? Is that his last name, Clounch? Clounch. Clounch. Austin Clounch. Clounch. Yeah, he was. He was the head coach at Nichols State. Did he also serve under you? Yeah, he was my first hire. He, uh, he was their video guy at Clemson when I was an assistant there. And as soon as I got the job, I hired him. I think I, I think I ended up hiring him for like $10,000 a year. That's all the only money I had. He was my first assistant that I hired. Okay. And, um, he's, he's one of my best friends in the world. And, you know, I, I trusted him, you know, it shows the amount of, the first person you hire, man, is when you get your first head coaching job, it shows a lot of trust. And I'd been with him a couple of years at Clemson. And um, we had a great relationship, and I was really impressed. And um, he he was phenomenal. I mean, he without him, we don't get it rolling the way that we did at Nichols, and I'm not on the phone with you guys and the head coach at South Alabama. So when I left, um, we got him that opportunity, and um, he ran with it, man. He was the youngest head coach in the country at that time. I think he was like 26 or something, um, and did 
did a fantastic job. Maybe he's 28. I can't remember. Somewhere in there. He was the youngest head coach in the country. Won two regular season championships. And, you know, in our years down there, we put together three out of four seasons with a regular season championship at Nichols. I mean, when I got there, I don't think they were, we were just hopeful. The, the administration and the community were just hopeful we would make the conference tournament, period, you know, not win any championships. But he did a great job, and it was a great hire by Nate. You know, I talked to Nate during the process, um, and I just told him, man, like, I mean, it's a home run. You'll love him, and you know he's he's been great so far for him. And it's it was a really really good hire. They're gonna love him down there. He has been hired as uh, assistant coach, but uh, at Alabama. But here's my question, though: It seems rare. F- is it rare for a head coach to take a step down to become an assistant coach after you've been a head coach like this when you still have it going strong? I mean, does this happen? I can't recall it happening that much, and. Is, is what would his you've probably talked to him why would he want to leave a head coaching job to take an assistant's job yeah it, it is rare you're, you're right it is rare um i think some of it is it, becoming a little more common than than it used to be you know rodney terry's a good example he left utah to be the assistant at texas and it <laughs> turned out really good for him he's head coach at texas now but I think I think with Clunch is he was their video guy at Clemson. And then he went with me to Nichols and he's been at Nichols for the last seven years. And um I, I think he like had always in the back of his mind wanted to be a power five assistant. I think that was something like and usually you're before you're a head coach you do that like I was assistant at Clemson and then I became a head coach. I th- I just think he wanted that. And I, I think sometimes too, you know, he had been there Seven years. I mean, he's he's still young. I mean, he's 30, 33 years old. He's he's not married yet. You know, just you know, you want a little bit of a change. And and sometimes I don't. Nichols is a tough job. It's not easy. You know, it's not easy. And he he worked. He's done really well. And I just think he wanted a taste of that Power Five life. He wants to be able to get on a jet and go recruit, fly a charter flight to every game and coach some NBA dudes and, you know, and I think, I think the Lord of work for, for Nate too really attracted him because he's got a lot of respect for how good of a coach he is. I think everybody does. And just to be able to go learn and um, he'll be a head coach again, you know, sometime in the, you know, three or four years or whenever it's going to be, but, and he'll be better for it. I think, I think working for Nate, he's going to, he's going to be a lot better coach by the time he gets on there. Uh, Richie Riley, our guest here on WNSP. So uh, the night uh, John Morant and Giannis got hurt in uh, block charge situations, they ultimately were charges. There was some scuttle on me uh, on social media about uh, we should take charges out of the game. It's not real defense. Yeah, it's just being a traffic cone out there. I couldn't disagree with that sentiment more. But I'm curious, uh, what's your take on taking charges and? Uh, should it be removed from the game? Definitely not. A lot of times, me and you are on the opposite spectrum on some of these things. Yeah. But today we're 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 together. It's just people out here will say anything. I mean, I, I love charges. You know, it's 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 winning basketball. Yeah. And I know people don't like it, and 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 some of the reason a lot of times these officials overdo it. And they call some charges that shouldn't be tried. Get that. But you can't take charges out of the game. I mean, that's basketball. It's like taking any any crazy rule, you know, out of the game. It's just, but 
it is tough, and that's why we, we play off two feet, you know, two feet, two feet, two feet. If you've ever been to a practice or heard me coach, that's how we play. And because you can get hurt, I tell our guys all the time, they'll go in there off one leg and, yeah. you know, run over a dude, and that's how you get hurt. That's how you turn the ball over, too. Right. Or miss it, or miss a shot. So, you know, I, if, if they ever do away with the charge rule, it would be really sad. They might as well let you start double dribbling and, you know, do all kinds of crazy stuff. If you're not going, if you're not going to let guys take a charge, man, that's winning. That's winning hoops. Yeah. Well, a couple I mean, things. I, I remember talking about we were just talking about Tuscaloosa and talking yeah. about Alabama um, two years ago. Yes, the year before this one, Kyle Gonzalez said it set a South Alabama record. He took like seven charges in the game down there in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember it, but it was beautiful. Yeah. And it impacted the game and came down to. You know, it was tied with like four minutes to go or whatever, and he took seven charges. That's seven forced turnovers where he just like got ran over. Yeah, um, and that's what that's winning hopes. I mean, we can't we can't do away with that. No, I think it's a lazy take because it sounds like it's just guys that want to get to the hoop that are 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 whining that they can't get there because there's someone willing to sit there and take it from them. That's why they invented the Euro in part, so you can get around that. And as far as the safety concern, actually the one that's getting the brunt of it is the guy taking the charge. And I think the way you fall when you take a charge is a lost art. There's actually a technique to it. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. And I just think it was kind of a freak accident with Giannis and and Morant. I mean, if those were called blocks, I don't think those those people would be out there calling for the, the end of charges in, in basketball. No, you're right. I, I agree with that. And, and I, I say it all the time on the social media area. You're, there's people out there constantly looking for something to get on there and harp about. So this is, this is the new thing for the next, you know, little bit here. And, and I'm sure there'll be another one within the playoffs. Yeah. Cause the way those guys play, they're so big, they're athletic and they come in there and they go off one leg a lot. And there's guys trying to take some charges. And when you, when you're, when you get two big bodies like that, one guy's jumping as high as he can off one leg and another guy's underneath him trying to take a charge. It's, there's there's going to be some contact and there's a potential that somebody could you know get injured so it's um you know again we coach our guys two feet two feet two feet um you know i think i think Giannis would be an elite two foot player but they don't really they don't really teach that nba very much so I, I don't know maybe maybe they should start doing that a little more hey man always good to catch up with you i know you've been busy so we'll let you get back to it and uh hey for the city coach for the city every day. We, we got to have it for the city. All right, man. Good talking to you. That's Richie Riley, ladies and gentlemen. We got one short segment coming back. We'll set the table for the rest of the day and give you a sneak peek into tomorrow as well. All I'm saying is if I'm Draymond, I'm, I'm probably putting my foot down too. I'm not saying he shouldn't have been suspended. I think you kind of have to suspend. I mean, you, dude literally kicked the guy in the chest. It doesn't matter how hard or how well he connected. You got to suspend him, but I ain't, I ain't mad at I ain't, I ain't mad at Draymond. He kicked him in the chest, and he didn't seem apologetic about it. He was, like, cheering at the crowd and, like, calling all them out. So I think the way that he went after the incident led more so to the suspension than maybe the— Than the actual crime? Than the actual crime, yeah. One final segment. You guys can jump in. It's the opening kickoff right here on the Sports Station WNSP.
This is George Hara, French coach of the Houston Astros, and you're listening to WNFP. All right, one final segment of the day here on the opening kickoff. Uh, you'll get the Dan Patrick Show after us. And, of course, uh, the final drive back at it uh, started at 3 with Corey and Michael Bronner. Make sure you check that out. Uh, we are on the road tomorrow, Lee Shervini. Yes, we are. We're going to be at St. Paul's from 6 to 9. We'll have guests uh, coming into Air Sports 1 representing spring sports at St. Paul's. We'll also talk with their football coach, Ham Barnett. But some of the regulars, uh, are like Paul Feibaum, he'll be with us at 7. And then Eli Gold, who returned to us last week, will also be on this show at 7.30. And I also wanted to mention, too, um, the, the afternoon show, the baseball podcast today. Nick, do you know who Joey's having on the show with him at 5.30 today? Yeah, so tonight's version of WNSP Now Live is going to be the batter's box. It's going to be Joey Warner and Ricky Patterson. And their special guest is going to be none other than Washington Nationals, Dan Jennings. How about that? All right. Stealing them away from us on the morning show, huh? It's more like borrowing. We can share. We can we're, share. One, we're one big happy family. True. I'm glad for Danny <laughs> <laughs> that he gets a chance to be on the show. Uh, so... Um, I think it's pretty clear based on some of the things that Richie was, was saying about what they're looking for. I think there's somebody very specific they have in mind uh, Barry, that fits most of those Barry, criteria. Barry, yeah, Barry. I think. And, and I, I kind of egged him on a little bit there. Uh, but clearly, uh, they're very interested uh, in Barry Dunning. It would just be a great story. It would be good for South. All of a sudden, tickets are going to be, you know, yeah. sold at a higher rate. You got a guy that you can really get the city behind and your student body behind. It just makes too much sense. Yeah. Stunning if you're listening. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I think the it is it's you know, we talk about the the sports landscape here in Mobile and I think local universities and colleges want to get that local talent for that reason. But if you get somebody of that caliber of that notoriety to come in and you start winning on top of that. Imagine what it would do for that program. And I think ultimately it would be the perfect example of if you're good enough to get to the next level, no matter who you play for, they'll find you. Let's put that to the test. Well, there's been a good run of McGill Tulin uh, football players coming to South. So let's see if it can expand. How about that? All right. For uh, Triple G and for Lee, I'm Mark. That does it. It's the opening kickoff. Wood. We'll be in Air Sports 1 tomorrow. Come by and see us. Until tomorrow at 6. See ya!